Hey everybody, it's Wayne here. And in one week, I'll be in the midst of trial. I'm facing multiple felony charges, potentially 11 years in prison for investigating and rescuing two piglets from the largest pig farm in the nation. I and my co-defendant, Paul Picklesimer, will be in a courtroom, um, only with our attorneys, because unfortunately the court has been closed to the public, facing uh, these very, very serious criminal allegations. And I thought it'd be a good time for us to retell the story of Smithfield um, and explain to all you you know, very concretely why we're doing what we we're doing and what has already been done. Uh, Paul tells some great stories in this podcast about some of the actions that DXC has done that I'm not even that familiar with because I stepped back from DXC back in 2019 and I was honestly inspired to hear some of the stories of activists stepping up. And that's the most important thing because you know, no matter what happens in this trial, that's going to start less than a week from when we publish and release this podcast as long as people keep fighting keep speaking their truth we're gonna win and this podcast shows why um it's also got my buddy john fromar and john was a co-defendant in this case and you'll hear some hilarious hilarious stories about the shenanigans john and i and paul have been in and, and john's uh, strange role in the legal team as both a witness and an attorney advising us on the best strategy moving forward but uh without further ado here is paul picklesimer in Jonathan Frommar. Welcome, folks. It's good to have you both back on again. <laughs> Always. The last few months, I think the last time we had a conversation uh, was in May, right before some very big news dropped, namely that Smithfield is shutting down its slaughterhouse in Southern California yep. and partially closing and probably eventually fully closing the exact facility we investigated back in 2017 and all three of us were charged for investigating um, later that year. So a lot has happened. Big news. Big mm -hmm. news. Um, but the other big kind of uh, change in our trial, Paul, is partly as a result of the closure of this facility, or I should say the partial closure, we're not moving to a different county. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should talk a little about that as well, because it's been just a wild ride over the last couple of months. And I think folks... Um, would probably be interested in the update, but why don't we just start with the news that Circle Four is is effectively shutting down? I mean, how did you hear about this, and what was your response to it, Paul, when you first heard it was happening? Um, well, the story broke and it made the rounds pretty quick. I think there was like a um, local television station in Los Angeles that might be the first place that I, I saw and then you know read their online version, um, and it was always. A little unclear as to far as like the outcome for Circle Four itself. You yeah. know, they've yeah. they talk about like drastically reducing, and mm -hmm. you know, um, so and I've yet to see a lot of updates substantially since then. Like yeah. when I've seen updates, it's sort of like uh, Ben Smithfield to sort of say, "Hey, people are actually reporting things a bit, you know, erroneously." So yeah, I'm still curious to see how things are actually going, but. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I didn't. I'm still not sure what to make of it. Um, yeah. You know, my heart goes out to anybody who's going to endure financial hardship from that. You know, and I don't necessarily think it's going to like. You know, there's no plans, of course, to start killing less pigs. The plan is to kill as many pigs as possible. Yeah. So it's not a victory in that sense or anything. Um, but it's it's interesting, and yeah, I think we'll have to watch it unfold a bit. Yeah, I think the the best data point to show that Smithfield doesn't really care about anyone. Of course. Not the pigs or not the people involved in its own company or the community surrounding its farms is pretty sure we found out originally because a union issued a press release. 
Do you remember this? Yeah. Mm. And it was a union that had been mm-hmm. negotiating with Smithfield because the conditions at these facilities are awful. I mean, first of all, people are paid almost nothing. Actually, in one case, in Circle Forms history, they literally were paid nothing. They were victims of human trafficking and been forced to work at the company. And the company escaped any sort of accountability for it. But in this case, it was a union that had been negotiating with Smithfield and saying, hey, this is one of the most dangerous jobs in America. This is a facility that has spread COVID throughout the entire community is endangering our workers who disproportionately are people who lack health care, who might have other comorbidities that would make them particularly susceptible to COVID-19. And uh, we need to get paid more. And we need to have some basic protections in the job so people aren't getting their arms cut off and their you know, limbs and fingers cut off because slaughterhouse jobs are one of the most dangerous jobs in America. And Smithfield's response when the negotiations got a little heavy was, you know what, we're just going to shut everything down. And one other point I want to make about that is this is not just big news for our case. The slaughterhouse in, in Vernon, California, right next to Los Angeles, was the single largest slaughterhouse in the western seaboard. Mm-hmm. Had a capacity for, I think, 3.5 million pigs. I think they were doing like 2.5 and 3. And Smithfield had, even in the last couple of years, made very big investments expanding its operations. Right, buying out Hormel, um, expanding its Operation Circle Four. Like back in 2020, we had a ballot initiative that we were supporting in Millard County because Smithfield was trying to expand its farm in western and southern Utah. And so the reversal from 2020, where they're making these multi-million dollar investments to expand their operations, to 2022, when they're shutting things down, is a dramatic change, not just for us in this case, but for the entire supply chain. And I, I would disagree with what you said that I think this is going to affect picks, um, at least in the short term. Now, in the long term, it might mean an expansion of operations in China. Smithfield is claiming they're only expanding operations in the Midwest. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of reporting in the Wall Street Journal, which is hardly a progressive animal rights publication, suggesting that the real change is you're shipping jobs from the United States into China because labor is cheaper and because that's where they're shipping most of their pork anyways. Yeah. So we'll that, see. I thought that pig production was more expensive in China, though, be, mostly because they have to actually treat the waste. Yeah, so that's a claim that I think, I think it's Corbin Anderson makes in mm. um, Wastelands. And the, the argument he makes, and I, I did look at the book and I tried to get citations on this and I couldn't confirm them, huh. is that in China, they don't actually allow manure lagoons. That is true, as far as I can tell. Um, okay. I've looked at pig farms in China. I've worked with animal rights activists in China. They don't have these massive lagoons. And if you cannot just dump all the massive amounts of chemicals, antibiotics, blood, carcasses, feces into a huge lagoon, you got to do something about it. And that's kind of expensive. But on the other hand, labor costs are much, much lower. And maybe just as importantly, the Chinese government, as bad as the U.S. government is on food safety regulations and animal welfare protections, Mm -hmm. honestly, the Chinese government's worse. Hmm. I agree, by the way. I mean, I, I think that in 2023, like some of the industry outlets will say that, yeah, like the quote unquote production in the U.S., at least in Smithfield's end, will, will drop. But, yeah. I, but long term, definitely think it's, you know, their, their aim is certainly to keep increasing yeah. worldwide, at least. And, and I could be wrong, but now, now that you mentioned, I think I seem to remember that they reached a, a deal with the union. And then it was like maybe a couple weeks after reaching that deal or one week or so, then they announced that they were just going to close it, which yeah, to me just sounds like a So they reneged job. on their deal. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't recall that. It was like they maybe used the possible. deal as a Band-Aid to get yeah. them into early, um, you know, 2023. And yeah. then everybody's just screwed after that. I mean, relative to some of the things they've done to the workers, that actually, actually isn't even that bad because mm-hmm. this is a company. I think we talked about this in the last podcast. 
that literally physically assaulted their own workers. And, you know, you can read the National Labor Relations Board opinion on this. There's a appellate court, a federal appellate court. I forget which circuit it is. It's whichever court covers North Carolina that wrote like a 70 page opinion, just exhaustively examine the evidence and say, yes, this company assaulted its own employees for merely wow. trying to get better working conditions. You know, when they were trying to organize and say like, let's have a vote and have some sort of a fair relationship between us and this massive multinational corporation, their response was not to listen, not to negotiate, not even to drive a hard bargain. It was literally to physically assault and intimidate their workers so they would not vote in favor of a union. This is the company we're up against, yeah. my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think to myself, damn, this is actually just kind of legit, kind of scary, you know? Yeah, there's, they have a lot of power, and yeah. they're certainly going to do whatever they can within their power to meet their ends. So yeah. they don't care about us or their workers or anybody, really. It's just about the bottom line, and that's their whole mission in life, basically. Yeah. I kind of want to go see what's going on in the slaughterhouse in Southern California. I haven't been there in many years. I mean, you were there, what, last year, Paul? It was a couple years there's, ago. Was yeah. We did a big November? action there. Uh, I, yeah, I think that was 2020. 2020? Yeah. yeah, Rose's Law. Yeah, the <clears> turn, were you there, John? Turning point action. No, no, I wasn't. Okay. Can you tell us about that action? This is at the Farmer John Slaughterhouse, right? Oh, yeah. we, we were we were in Oregon at the time, right? Oh, that that's was right, right after we right, right after, after the election. election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was a I fun think that's... time. <laughs> yeah. right, can we talk about what you? I mean, maybe we should talk about it here. About what? Oh. I mean, is it legal? Oh, wait. For I was. I mean, maybe we can oh. this out mushrooms. <laughs> is it legal? Oregon? Uh, yeah, I believe that it is legal. Legal, yes. okay, good. Yeah. So it's like decriminalized. It. Right. In, well, in, yeah, yes. I mean, I, and I don't think, I don't know. Hopefully no one can impeach you on this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually care. I mean, I, I think it's fine. I don't care either. Because I just, even if it's illegal, it's not wrong. I mean, right. there's so much good evidence now that psilocybin has tremendous positive impacts for so many people. So we should be out and open about it. And the same way we're out and open about our animal rights. Right. You know, people are going to condemn us for it. So be it. But, you know, I mean, when psilocybin is literally curing people of depression and, and PTSD, why are we criminalizing it? So right. anyways, but maybe that's not the subject of this podcast. <laughs> uh, for the record, I did not personally use a psilocybin. If anyone's wondering why this sober dork is talking about psilocybin, I've never used psilocybin. I've never even had a full drink. Um, but I did <laughs> observe other people going through actually a pretty powerful ceremony. Yeah. It seemed <laughs> like it was pretty cool. So it anyways, was. <laughs> but, but back to the question. Yeah. Um, can yeah, you we, tell us about that action, Paul, and what the... Because there had been some undercover footage released right before that action. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so tell it, me more about that. Well, uh, the the action was sort of framed as the turning point. And it was, uh, you know, this Farmer John Slaughterhouse in um, Vernon, which is like, you know, right next to the Los Angeles, but it's a... It's, I guess, its own technical city. They've, they have, I think, something in the neighborhood of like 50 residents. Mm. Uh, and so if you ever want to get elected, you might have a decent <laughs> shot of being the mayor Wait, of Vernon. Vernon, California has 50 people? Something like so that. It's, yeah. it's almost strictly... In the entire city? In the entire city. Right. It's industrial, fully, almost. And, oh, um, wow. So it's just a bunch of companies. Yeah, yeah, but there's a Vernon Police Department. I've seen them. Yeah, they have. Yeah, so our there's more cops than there are residents, too. probably, because I've seen a lot of cops. Definitely. There. Well, no, I don't. Yeah, there's probably more cops than residents. I would guess. Yeah. Jeez, I mm. had no idea. There's only 50 residents. Yeah, I mean the you know I, people who become on the uh, city council or whatever yeah. they call it there. They're, yeah, they're getting like you know it's 20, like 10 percent, 20 percent of the entire city is yeah. on the city council. Yeah, and I don't think they elect their mayor. <clears> I think that um, they it's like a rotating city. seat oh, sure. among yeah. the people who that's are, common in California who are elected. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, yeah, so that that's where wait, this. Wait, wait, can I just stop? Yeah. Why have we not just all moved to Vernon? <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah, serious. I, Fifty that people like the has three of us would be a powerful voting block in Vernon, <laughs> California. Let's just the three of us. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they might we're not trying to edit that out too. Yeah, I don't know. Don't but, um, don't get me wrong. We're not doing any of this shenanigans, right? You know? uh, yeah, but. But no, it's um, you know, it's an industrial place. But there are residents yeah. around too. I mean, they're not that like. There's a lot of people living on the streets in the area mm. too, and it's tough for them or anybody working. You mean homelessness? Yeah, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, they've got some decent sized encampments around, okay. you know, and um, yeah. So it's a uh, and a lot of people work there, and it's hard. And for I bet them. the cops actually push them into that neighborhood, of course, knowing that, of course, you know, it's the dirtiest, grimiest. I mean, just the smell from that facility. It's just awful. Yeah, that's how and we it deal stinks with miles away. People who don't have a house around here, mm-hmm. you know, we, we just push them to the places yeah. where we don't have to see them as much. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it stinks. It's, um, just terrible. It pollutes the LA river. Mm-hmm. Um, the activists in that area have been, you know, protesting it for years and years. Other groups have been doing, you know, what you call like a vigil mm-hmm. where you sort of uh, stop the truck and bear witness to the pigs who are on that, um, truck mm-hmm. and make eye contact for a little bit and just connect with them. Cause you know, what else can you do? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe give them some, some, give some, some water. water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did all that these celebrities. We did this April of 2017. Gene, yeah, Gene Bauer was there. Was, Amy. was there some celebrity there too? There was like who's that? Uh, there was that. Wasn't Joaquin that cosmetics was... celebrity? Celebrity? I don't know anything about cosmetics. Oh. There was some. I know. Like, I, think, I know. Joaquin Phoenix has LA been there folks. at various points. He wasn't Who? there. Joaquin Phoenix, but yeah, he Joaquin wasn't Phoenix there. has been there. I thought there was like some hmm. makeup celebrity. Maybe Kat Von D. Yeah, I think Kat Von D was there that day. No kidding. Yeah, I'm pretty. I think she was there that day, and like someone. Someone was telling me you should go talk to her. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I mean, <laughs> maybe I should have. I mean, if I knew that I was going to be facing prosecution, although maybe I think the charges had already been filed by that point. No, because that, well, that was April. And then the charges were filed. Yeah. And then the okay. charges weren't filed until I think May of 2018. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. So it was we April hadn't even, 2017 we hadn't even or released April the investigation yet. Okay. Was so it was April 2017. 2017. So people didn't, hadn't even known right. that we had investigated. Right. We had stuff. done the investigation. Okay. But we yeah. Weird. You've done the vigil too, right, Paul? Um, I've been to plenty of okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I've been to quite a few. Mm-hmm. That one, that one, that night. <laughs> John, do you remember what happened that night? I do. John, John I do. Went, it was an int- yeah. John went a little wild that night. <laughs> I did. I did. I mean, I just re- like. But I. It but it was wild in a really how, positive way. It was like very powerful. What you yeah. Saying. Well, I mean, it just hit me how horrific everything was. Yeah. Like I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was my. That was the first visual I'd ever gone to. And I mean, I just, I it, like, I just had this thought, like, why are we just letting this happen? You yeah. know, like, this is, it, this is just such an atrocity. And because, like, like I made, you know, everybody there, like, we made connections with yeah. the pigs. We could see them, and it's like, it shouldn't matter that we haven't known the pig. You know, it, it's one thing if it's like, if it's like uh, somebody you're related to, you know, and but like that shouldn't matter, and it shouldn't matter that these are pigs and not human beings. So mm-hmm. like, why are we not acting? That like, if this was like a family member of ours, sure. you know. So, but I mean, I just I didn't I didn't know what to do, yeah. you know. And well, just, what you, you, what just, you suggested it, we do, I mean, you should tell us was basically what people suggested Chinese activists do, right? To stock dog meat slaughter trucks, and they've been cheered on by people across the world in these epic actions. Yeah, totally. Where they stop the trucks and just grab the animals and run. Right. You know, literally. I mean, the Chinese. I mean, this is why, like, when people hate on the Chinese, I'm just like. Dude, do you even know what the Chinese actives are risking in a government that is so much more brutal than the United States? I mean, what's happening to us is super fucked up. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But the Chinese government just disappears people. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have a right to remain silent. You don't have a right to an attorney. You, the conviction rate is like 99% because you can't, I mean, well, actually, in this case, 
the U.S. government is acting similarly. I was going to say, you don't have the right to present evidence. And I was like, well, actually, no. In that case, <laughs> yeah, in, that, in that context, some, the U.S. government is acting similarly because, yeah. unfortunately, it's, it's, it's acting like a Chinese court. But in, in the face of all these dangers and threats where activism literally can cause you to lose your life without any due process in the law, Chinese activists are literally driving out in a car, and it's hard to get a car in China. It's so much more expensive in a country where the median income, I think now it's like, I don't remember the exact figure, but it's a couple thousand dollars. So a car could be multiple years income. Like even buying a smartphone could be your entire annual income. You buy mm -hmm. one iPhone. And it's like, oh my God, everyone, just why there's all these knockoff phones because no one can afford <laughs> the real thing. So there's all these like fake Apple stores and fake I, uh, Android stores. But these actives will drive out and literally have like smashed the trucks with their cars. And I'm not saying I, I would encourage this because that's obviously very dangerous. It's dangerous for the dogs too because yeah. you, you smash a truck with a thousand dogs on it. I mean, those dogs go tumbling over and maybe they'll, they'll die. They'll get crushed, you know, under the car and the, the truck blows up in a fiery explosion. But still, just the bravery of these activists is incredible, incredible. And I mean, I think what For you were sure. suggesting that night was, you know, not, not even to go that far, but just to say nonviolently, mm -hmm. let's just walk and stop trucks and, mm -hmm. and start carrying pigs out. Just right. recognizing that these animals are like dogs. They, mm -hmm. they are suffering and, and they're scared. Yeah. They don't want to be here. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I know that's a dream that a lot of people in the animal rights movement have. Yeah. Well, that, so, that's, that's what happened, basically. I mean, that's what... What, what you tried to do. What you tried to what, do. Uh, yeah, not me personally, but... This um, is November of 2020? Or is um, it you know, it's probably uh, late September, early October, since it was a uh, Rose's Law thing. But okay. actually, now that I remember, it was Wait, 2020. So it couldn't it have been in October? No, it was 2020 because... So we had to delay it a bit, I think, because of okay. COVID. And mm -hmm. that was the first time that things were... Cooling out a little bit. Physical action. Um, anything big, anyway. Anything we had good. we had okay. done some other things, so it was like a logistical undertaking, but it was all outside and everything. Okay. But yeah, people had. Um, there was an LA Times article um, years ago that was pretty interesting, and it was about what happens there with the vigils and the mm -hmm. slaughterhouse. And most of the article was really good. It like helped readers understand the idea, like, hey, people want to connect with these individuals who are, you know, just like anybody we know, like any dogs that we live with or whatever. Mm -hmm, yeah. And it's been transformative. Five thousand a day, right? For some people, I. I I wouldn't quote that myself. I forget, but it's it's plenty. I think it's five thousand. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Um, um, and it's like high four thousand. It's, it's 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 shocking. Just yeah. tell me the the number of trucks that are coming in. And so that, that's like one eighth or one sixth of uh, of the Tar Heel facility, right? Yeah, Tar Heel does like thirty k yeah. a day. Yeah. Tar Heel is the largest, I think, in the world. Yeah. I mean, China might have beaten at this point because Smithfield has expanded massively in China. Like, I think multi-billion dollar investments, but I think hmm. as of a few years ago, the Tar Heel facility, were we both at that? Did you come to no, that no, Tar Heel? No, no, yeah, I've never been to okay. the Tar Heel facility. It's, it's a giant. It's terrifying. Yeah. But so, let's, we keep interrupting Paul's oh, story. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So the article let's get then, to the turning point, actually. Well, the article goes on to say, though, um, it has a, a comment from Smithfield, from the Slaughterhouse, okay. saying that, like, hey, we respect the activists' um, peaceful demonstration and what they're doing, and they can do it for as long as they like. And that's the kind of thing that sets off a little bell. Um, because if you're adversary, if there's an industry that you're trying to really address, yeah. mm -hmm. doing this terrible injustice, killing all these individuals, exploiting all these workers, polluting the river, um, you know, polluting the whole area, just if they're good with what you're doing, you, you should probably should reconsider. <laughs> you, should, you should really think about it because there's not the, there's well, certainly value there. And um, but it's it's a, it's a little troubling. And so yeah, I think an idea was like, hey, let's let's see a turning point where people will actually try to for the first time yeah. obtain footage from inside the slaughterhouse. Like no other animal rights group had mm. obtained that footage yet. Mm -hmm. So that was obtained. And that was... And this uh, is just like a whistleblower? Yeah. How did we get this footage? I don't even remember. I, I'm through a whistleblower outlet okay. of some kind. But um, 
you know, and, and it's what you would imagine, just, you know, completely horrible and endless killing and, yeah, like different animals who, you know, don't seem to be as uh, properly stunned as, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. they might, you know, supposedly be required to. And just right. endless. So this is whistleblower footage from the knockbox where they're actually doing. Is it they're killing them by electrocution? It's, I think it's electrocution, right? No, they, they, t- t- they, they take them down and um, gas them. Oh, gas, them. Yeah. So gas chamber. Yeah, and yeah. then they hang them up, and, and then they go through the whole you know, plant being processed, quote-unquote. Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. is a creepy-ass way to die. Oh, my God, If you've yeah. seen... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember this. Like, I feel like I 100% would have watched the footage if we had obtained whistleblower footage. Is it one of these... Gas chambers where there's it's kind of like an elevator mechanism. Kind yeah. Of? Okay. Yeah, they go down and then the, okay. the gas. So somebody got cameras in there. Um, not not at this location. Um, okay. The the only time I've seen that is uh, from Dominion. Dominion. Uh, okay. Where yeah. So what, what footage did we get from Farmer John? Uh, the you know the coming the the up and the down uh, many different angles. I see. So just right right before they go into the gas chamber, we yeah. saw them going up. Yeah. And yeah. And um and then yeah the just it's endless blood. Um yeah the mm. footage is available. It's all mm-hmm. on. YouTube, like hours and hours of it. We always, yeah. people say like, oh, you're just showing what you want people to see. Like here's unedited footage for, for yeah. hours. So, um, and then on top of that though, um, you know, people uh, had ended up facing charges over this. It was an unsuccessful rescue attempt. Yeah. What is an extremely bold action in my opinion, it, yeah. uh, an action of, you know, civil disobedience to say like, Hey, if my mom was trapped in some place, yeah. someone was going to kill my mom. I can go in and get her out. I'm yeah. yep. damn well going to try. And, um, but for pigs... Or your dog, for that matter. Yeah, you yeah, know? true. Um, yeah, but these brave activists went in um, while the facility was operative. And, so just in broad daylight. And Yeah, broad daylight. I think it was like nighttime, but there was operations going on. Okay. And um, they had, uh, you know, just a, de- a device that could hold an individual. Yeah. And there's just really, really amazing footage of this unfolding. Um, they got the individual and, and made their way towards the exit. Uh, workers took forklifts and blocked the exits so they couldn't get out. And it was a heartbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, unsuccessful I've definitely a- seen this attempt to get somebody out. But It's like maybe five or six activists. Like, mm-hmm. I think I remember yeah. Alexandra Paul was one of them. Yeah, I believe she was maybe arrested. Maybe Alicia yeah. was one of them, too. Uh, you know, I don't I recall remember. exactly, um, but yeah. But, but they all... they all. I fra- remember them carrying the pig, and then there's, like, some sort of barricade that mm-hmm. seems to be blocking them. And when you're carrying a 300-pound pig, you know, I mean, even a fairly small barricade is going to make it pretty hard. It's not well, like they, you can climb over Well, a they actually, fence. they got over the barricade. Oh, um, they did? Yeah, they did. Uh, the device, you know, worked. They were able to, you know, use That's right. They had, you know, almost like a... What do you call it? Um, like pipes with um, uh, webbing in between that served as almost like a soft sure. um, gurney kind of thing. Or, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Like handheld. Um, but What's the term for that when you carry someone like a... I know what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a term for that? <laughs> All right. Yeah, anyways, it doesn't matter. Me, yeah. Someone will listen to this podcast and email it to me. But, uh, but it ended up like the, the Los Angeles Times ran a story on that. that on the attempted rescue. Um, yeah. yeah. Activists were taken, were arrested. And, so um, can we just back up? I just want to understand yeah. the entire chronology because uh-huh. I'm forgetting about all this. And I wasn't that involved. I didn't even know the action was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think I was just busy with other things like trying to, you know, shake things up in Berkeley in my mayoral campaign. Um, actually, I just want to make one observation, which is that from what I recall, um, there was, at least in my view, a compelling claim that this was criminal animal cruelty. Absolutely. That was disclosed at Smithfield. Because while there is a, an animal slaughter exemption to the animal cruelty laws in the state of California, it's only exemption for things that are necessary mm-hmm. for the slaughter of animals for food. Right. And because the industrial process 
the amount of terror and confinement and the abuse and torture that is accompanying the slaughter is not necessary for the slaughter of animals or food. Now, obviously, if, you know, the killing, the act of killing itself is, is probably exempted mm. from animal cruelty prosecutions, unless you think, which is what I think, that there are deeper principles in the law that override the statutes. And, you know, I think uh, if you think animals are legal persons and the Constitution applies to them and you cannot deny them due process under the law, mm -hmm. you can't even take their lives and you can't pass a law denying an animal the right to their own life without due process in the law. But that's a totally different argument that I'm not going to try and make here. Mm -hmm. The less radical argument is simply that, look, whatever you think of animal slaughter, the fact that this is an industrialized process where they're using essentially a gas chamber, and I can almost guarantee you they're using CO2 gas um, and not argon because it's cheaper. And CO2 gas has been demonstrated in study after study um, and I think even like the ventilation shutdown mm -hmm. stuff that came out recently involving chickens showed this, that it causes respiratory asphyxiation. Mm. It, it, it's not a peaceful death. There mm -hmm. are spasms. The animals oh, yeah. are struggling to breathe and they're dying frantically as they scream in agony because they know they cannot get any air. Yeah. So even if you think slaughter is exempted from animal cruelty, even if you think slaughter is necessary for the human food system, what was unfolding at Smithfield Foods and in other industrial slaughterhouses around the country is unlawful because it's not necessary. You do not mm -hmm. have to cause a respiratory spasm and asphyxiation before you slaughter an animal for food. Mm -hmm. Only so, if you're trying to meet a certain profit margin. Yeah, right, exactly. Wasn't, wasn't there even a criminal animal cruelty report filed against Smithfield Foods? Oh, well, I know. For, I know. Before this action was taken? Against Farmer John? Yeah, I against Farmer so, John. Yeah. Yeah. Farmer John is a subsidiary of yes. Smithfield Foods. That, that owns the slaughterhouse. It's, it's actually, I think, clarity packing, but it's mm -hmm. colloquially referred to as Farmer John because the slaughterhouse is called the Farmer John Slaughterhouse. Right. Do, do you remember an animal cruelty report? Well, yes, we okay. did file. I don't know if it was before or after the action, but yeah, we did reach out to the, the district, district attorney. attorney and said, I mean, yeah, it, and it was a criminal. really good report. It was really well Yeah, yeah, I think I remember well reading out. I think it was good. I think, wasn't it Bonnie who did it? Uh, Bonnie and Erica, yeah. yeah. So Bonnie did an amazing job with this. Bonnie mm -hmm. is a former federal prosecutor who, you know, like busted organized crime kingpins hmm. when she was a federal prosecutor in New York and California. And, and now she's trying to bust factory farms. But unfortunately she has to do this as an independent attorney because the U S government isn't down for busting organized crime mm -hmm. when there's a lot of money at stake and an industry yep. that has traditionally held a huge amount of power in the United States. Okay. So we filed the animal cruelty report. There's this footage that comes out that shows, you know, these, these carbon dioxide chambers, um, someone should check me actually, and, and I might even check myself to make sure they are using carbon dioxide. I'm almost hundred percent sure because argon's really expensive. Even I mean, most people don't even know what argon is. Like, do you know what argon is? Uh, yeah, it's it's a noble gas. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So and it noble gases tend to be more expensive. They're okay, very yeah. they they're not very reactive. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons. Like, carbon dioxide actually will form carbonic acid in your lungs if it's if if you have too high a percentage of car carbon dioxide in the air. Um, it actually hurts, you know, because you'll mm -hmm. feel burning in your lungs. That's one of the reasons apparently animals, again, I'm not a veterinarian and I'm not a physiologist, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate. It's one of the reasons it does cause more suffering. But I'm almost 99% sure they're using CO2 and that's, that's just torture. Yeah. You know, so we filed the animal cruelty report and then how long was it before, what other efforts did we make before the action was taken? Because I know usually we take mm -hmm. extensive efforts to try and get the government to do something about this, right? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot you can do beyond submitting reports. I mean, it's like people don't want to give you the time of day. Uh, they yeah. don't want to intervene. Um, you know, they'll, they'll view 
the people reporting as like animal rights activists and and maybe just see them a certain kind of way and not give it its fair consideration like mm-hmm. time after time so yeah people took um took action and and, yeah. and and attempted to do that rescue and it ended up inspiring a lot of people and inspiring this this action that uh you know that ended up taking place the yeah. the actual uh 48 hour vigil um, where um, the activists you know, were just going to bear witness for two days straight and just kind of live there on the sidewalk. And people had tents. And, and that was the start of the action. So it yeah. started out being a vigil yeah. for 48 hours. And mm-hmm. how many activists was this? Was this like 50, 100, uh, 500? Was, no, not 500, but um, probably closer to 200. So maybe wow. a couple hundred. It, just it, all camping out there. Just it, Well, not everyone camped out. Okay. So there were people, it was like a 24-hour vigil, but not everybody was there for 24 hours. So okay. there was always you know a couple dozen people at least out okay. there. And um, some other people slept on the next street over. Okay. Um, some people at hotels or slept in their cars and, you know, just did what they had to do. But uh, it, it sort of threw the slaughterhouse into rearranging its schedule. And they tried to have, like, no deliveries whatsoever while we were there. Wow. You know, so it seemed like... And I think one day wouldn't have anyway. There's, uh-huh. like, usually one day I think they don't get deliveries. They don't get deliveries. It's, okay. it's sick to hear refer to, like, this truckload of pigs as deliveries. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so pardon me, but... Uh, but then at the, uh, towards the end, all of a sudden... It's basically trafficking. I mean, it's, yeah. It's animal yeah, trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, you know you're it's taking... Not, it's not that's, how, that's how Ray Barglow described it. It's like they're trafficking in the bodies of animals. Ray Barglow did? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Ray Barglow is not really an animal... I mean, he's, he's an animal rights supporter, but he's not really an animal rights activist. That's yeah, cool. yeah. He used that uh, phrase to defend us when we were getting criticized for the, the, but, the local butcher shop. And he was like, you know, I don't, I don't 100 yeah. agree with this cause, but the fact of the matter is, this this place, even though it's arguably better than other places, is still trafficking in the bodies of animals. Yeah. Do you know yeah. Ray Barglow? No. So Ray Barglow is on the leadership committee of the Wellstone Club, which is oh, okay. among the most influential political organizations in the East Bay. Um, he's on, I think it's called the administrative committee or something I like that. He's like the peace and justice chair. He is, but that gives him a role in the okay. administrative committee. It's like their leadership team. Huh. Um, and I actually met knocking on his door right before COVID. Huh. Like literally, I think it was the next day or two days later oh, yeah. when California like got Mar- shut March down. March 16th. So I just had met him and wow. it was the last canvassing I did for months. Yeah. From like March all the way through June or July, I think it was. We were just like not sure what to do. I think it was maybe June that we started again. Me? Yeah, I can't remember. Exactly. Maybe late May? Yeah. Anyways. I, thought we, I thought we got back pretty quickly doing the face mask outreach, but I could be wrong. I think it was... I, I don't think it was... It certainly yeah, wasn't April. I mean, it might have right. been late May. Yeah, or we're doing or a lot of phone banking. We did do. At that point. We tried to do some phone banking. And that's and a lot harder. Didn't work. But I, I just knocked on his door, and then he like woke into me his home because he said, "I just listened to a podcast about you," because <laughs> he, he had just listened to the Ezra Klein podcast, and he was like, "Wow, this is cool! Like you were just on a podcast and you're running for mayor now." Not an animal rights person historically, but a progressive guy. Like yeah. he definitely cares about making the world a better place. Had a really great conversation with him, and since then he's been a huge advocate. And Ray Barglow is an example. Of how we got to reach people who are not vegetarian. Yeah. You know, because right. he's not a vegetarian. True. And honestly, he's done more to protect animals because he went to bat for us in the Wellstone Club. He's written like letters to the editor. Um, he's been up helping out in the yeah. Sally Alpert case in various right. ways. Uh, not helping out. He's just trying to do the right thing. You yeah. know, and Sally Alpert, for those of you who don't know, is an elected rent board commissioner who essentially started a smear campaign against me specifically, but also against the entire animal rights movement back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And he's running for a board. Um, I've sued him for defamation and 
because he did. He lied about me repeatedly, including falsely accusing me of sexual assault without even having a victim. This is just kind of how dirty politics has been played in Berkeley and across the nation for many years by the establishment. And Ray Barglow, to his credit, even though Wellstone is very much an establishment political club, has been willing to say, like, look, whatever I think about the establishment, I don't think it's right when they just outright lie about people and try and destroy people merely for trying to challenge the status quo. That's not right. That's yeah. not what progressives are supposed to be about. So he's a great guy. Yeah, I had no he idea he called guy. animals. Yeah, and that, you know, that phrase always always stuck with me because I, I I actually I never heard that phrase yeah. before. But I mean, it fits very well. Maybe that's it, where it I got it. Is. Maybe I maybe I stole his idea. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Sometimes that happens. You don't even realize. But yeah, it, so. I mean these. Yeah, they, they're animal traffickers. You know, they're animal exploiters. They're all sorts of things. Yeah. And, all sorts of labels that are that are accurate. Well, Ray's going to be very happy because I think he does listen to this podcast. Oh, good. Hey, Ray. So, so, th- so thanks for giving him the shout hey, we out. We love John. you, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're trafficking these animals. Yeah. Um, so you're doing, so let's just go back to this story. You have this 48-hour vigil. You're sitting out there with a few dozen to maybe a couple hundred people cumulatively. How does that turn into the action? And tell me more about the action itself. So yeah. obviously, they don't know that you're planning to do an action, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone, you know, knows for sure, like what's going to happen anytime. It's just, things just kind of play out different ways. But, um, I think that they had suspicions. I think that okay. they, you know, understood that, uh, this is a group that does civil disobedience, you yeah. know, peaceful at that. And so, yeah, I think that they were, they really had a lot of extra security. Um, the police were frequently, you know, coming and going and stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I was assigned to be the uh, police liaison, which I, I often am. And so I was serving as a go between, between the officers and the peaceful protesters. There was a lot of other stuff besides uh, vigil too. Like all day long, there's different programming for trainings and talks mm-hmm. and arts and crafts and, you know, just trying to beat the heat and just build Were the police cordial to you or were they aggressive? Um, they were, uh, well, I will say it depends when in the process right. because okay. they were uh, cordial at times. And, um, but before the action happened, uh, the, there was like a property that was rented um, hmm. for the purpose of, you know, just people able to park and stuff like that, stage some things. And, uh, yeah, I think that the police... You mean a property rented by the activists? Rented by the activists nearby, like nearby for the, for the services of, of the event, and, okay. just to increase safety and everyone's sure. well-being. And, yeah, because you, know, you got so. hundreds of people there who are camping out. I mean, yeah, bodies, need some, why not? Yeah, you need some <clears throat> staging ground just yeah. for everyone to... Yeah, so at the last minute, um, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I think the police re- reached out to the to the person who was renting mm-hmm. and sort of tried to put a little bit of fear in them, and, and we lost that spot. That seems... First Amendment, you know, fraught from a First Amendment perspective, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if you took the time to do a bit of digging. It's, you know, it's hard to ever know, like, you know, how do they communicate? Like, I don't trust them to tell the truth and things. And yeah, um, yeah, we got some mixed signals. And, you know, it, it was just one of those things where uh, we, uh, like, I um, don't tend to interact with the police as police liaison ahead of time. Sure. Um, I would rather just uh, show up and then be prepared to ask questions and, and make sure there's good communication. Um, but in this instance, I think that maybe Bonnie did reach out to the uh, police ahead of time uh-huh. to kind of give them a bit of a heads up. They Police uh, departments usually see the event pages and reach out to us. Sure. And while we do actually strive to have good communication during the events for everybody's safety, we don't usually communicate much beforehand, sure. if at all. And in this instance... Uh, yeah, for good reason, because the police so often historically, including in the case we're dealing with right now, yeah. I mean, they don't exactly enforce the law. <laughs> no, <laughs> not if it comes to animals, Not when it comes to sure, protecting yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, so even, even if you're doing a completely lawful action... Mm-hmm. 
I mean, look at what happened in Beaver County a few weeks ago. Yeah. The activists trying to leave yeah. it, you know? <clears throat> look what happened in our case with all the evidence that's been suppressed and mm -hmm. all the efforts by the police to prevent us from exercising our constitutional right to a complete defense. So, you know, there are very good reasons people are not very trusting of the police in the context of activism. So, yeah, yeah. A quick side note, a good illustration of that would be when Curtis and his team were leafleting on the sidewalks in Beaver County, and the officer came and said, people hate you too much. You can't do this here. You can't express your free, your free speech because someone will attack you. And that should be the officer's cue to defend them, them right. to give their free speech. Yeah. That's, that's part of the, what they swear to. That's part but of instead, he gives them a ticket for disorderly conduct. Yep. And Which is a criminal charge. It's not just a ticket. Criminal charge. It's not just administrative. Yeah. It's criminal yeah. in nature. Yeah. And on top of that, as he said, like, I, I worry for your safety if people know who you are. Then when Curtis is trying to talk to people, the cops start saying, don't talk to them. This is the people <laughs> trying to shut down Smithfield. <laughs> they're bad. Yeah, they're like, like you're antagonizing them the against the activists. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry well, to but I think, it, but... I mean, we, that's something I want to talk about for sure because okay. that led to a big yeah. change in our yeah. case, right? The reason we're going to Washington County and not Beaver County is because you left out to me the most crucial detail from our perspective, or at least our case's perspective, which is the elected sheriff also got into a woman's face who was just sitting at a table very peacefully, not even approaching anyone, just giving information out to people who approached her and screamed in her face, you are going to be killed and I'm not going to be here to do anything about mm -hmm. it. And she took that and understandably and reasonably to be a direct threat against her personal safety and maybe her life possibly by the sheriff himself yeah you know she didn't understand she was very confused and yeah. what and, and what happened right after that is you know she just fled to her car obviously stopped exercising her first amendment right to be there on a public sidewalk because she was terrified that mm -hmm. the elected sheriff who's supposed to be protecting her is saying you are going to be killed and effectively i'm not going to do anything about it and i'm glad about it and she just started crying in the car that's it because what can you do in the mm -hmm. face of an armed man who should be protecting you saying that you are going to be killed instead yeah. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of examples of reasons why, and I'm not saying every individual cop is a bad person. Obviously, there's some tremendous people in any organization, like I, including Smithfield. There, there are probably some extraordinarily generous and good people. I mean, Rick Pittman is an example of someone who is the owner of a massive factory farm. He engages in behavior that everybody at this table certainly disagrees with and thinks is deeply and profoundly wrong. Yeah. But I think probably all of us at the table also agree he's a profoundly good human being. I mean, he's going to be testifying for us in many ways against his own industry, against his own company's interests, because mm -hmm. he understands what's happening to us is wrong. It's not correct. It's and pretty it awesome. It is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, so even, in, and my point is just even in the police, and I, you know, I might get in trouble in activist circles for saying this, but even in police departments, there are some profoundly good people. Uh, and we got to find those people and, you know, help turn them against the system. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's go back to, to the story unfolding at Farmer John in Southern California. You're doing this vigil. At what point is it decided that, and what exactly happens when you occupy the facility? Well, How there, many people actually go in? Well, there were, um, before anybody went in, um, there was one truck that, uh, one or two trucks that came very early in the morning. Interesting. And um, This is like day three? I was sleeping on the sidewalk. It was like after the a second day or after something. After the second day. Like, um, and... Uh, I just got like abruptly woken up like, Hey, there's trucks coming, you know, oh. whatever. And I go over there and, um, some activists were doing like the customary, um, you know, which the police usually facilitate, um, where like you, uh, the trucks stop and people can, you know, take some photos and make contact. Um, but 
the security um, was really overreacting. They were running out really? um, and pointing mace at the eyes of, um, you know, peaceful protesters. Wow. And, wow. and just, yeah, it was a really... I mean, that's assault. Yeah, is it? I don't know. But yeah, assault yeah. is just... Yeah, when you put it. someone... You don't actually even have to spray right. someone. Yeah, it was... I mean, yeah, the footage is... It's, uh, it's online. You can look at it. It's, it's terrifying to think that somebody's going to go from zero to let me, you know, potentially damage your eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, so... Uh, and then, but then later, the, but then no more trucks came that all day long. And then we did you s- actually successfully stop a truck? Uh, momentarily. Okay. Yeah. But no one actually got to bear witness and uh, see what no, was some people did. Somebody did yeah. Just, just not very long. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, and people weren't all, so much ready for it. It was kind of came at an odd time in general. A lot of people mm-hmm. were still trying to like early know, in the morning. get up and get going. Yeah. yeah. But then later that night, um, you know, I think people started to think, well, maybe the trucks just aren't going to come at all. And, mm-hmm. and if so, maybe this is not like a moral victory or anything, but interesting to see that they would adjust their entire delivery schedule yeah. because of this action, because of the action and which they did adjust it a fair bit. But yeah, um, yeah then suddenly um, trucks came, you know, mm-hmm. and they started coming like very heavy wow. and before the first first truck uh, did come you know people you know just sort of seemingly out of nowhere uh, all locked each other um, like you know locked their hands together with chains and um, and then took up the space in front of the entryway wow. to sort of disrupt. So there was a kind of a lockdown in front of the slaughterhouse. Yeah, in okay. front of the slaughterhouse. And so then yeah. everybody was able to bear witness then because the trucks you well, know, weren't able to get stacked, in. But yeah. then they got rerouted pretty quickly. And you're giving water to the pigs while you're bearing witness. Yeah. So they're not stuck yeah. outside with no water. Yeah. yeah. And then and then simultaneously, pretty much, um, we got word that I think four activists were locked down inside the slaughterhouse wow. to the actual mechanisms. Um, the gas chambers themselves, I believe, are wow. some integral parts. The How did tr- they get in? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Honestly, okay, yeah. So just somehow, yeah, they yeah. Uh, apparently had, you know, so they were able to get in there and do that. And and uh, and then meanwhile, two other activists were on the roof uh-huh. suddenly, and they unfurled this giant right to rescue banner. Huh. And um, yeah, it was a really powerful moment. And, um, you know, things were still remaining relatively calm. And yeah. how many people are locked down? You said it was 20 I, people locked down in front of the slaughterhouse. Yeah, like 20. Four are locked down on the actual slaughterhouse machinery. Yeah. On the actual mechanism, uh-huh. what does that mean? Need to be locked down to the the gas chamber? Yeah, I believe. Was it like the control panel? I mean, no, I think it, I, I'm not sure it was the gas chamber. It might have been the chute that enters into it. Mm, um, but it was okay. like, yeah. And, so, but in a way that would just basically prevent them from torturing these poor pigs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So blocking the ability of the company to continue its yes its exploitation. Yeah, yeah. I think that wow. they used maybe bike locks or something. Okay. Um, the the signal in there was not good. They were trying to live stream and. Um, I don't think it was, it was really choppy and hard to hear. But what we did hear was we're getting word that they were being assaulted by security. Like our, mm. our activists were screaming. Like um, mm-hmm. they, they got beat up, yeah. you know, like there were wounds. And uh, I, 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 well, I don't have any agreement, like, but they can't talk about it because they ended up uh, like the, the security team for, for Farmer John, um, their, their company, uh, they settled um, after yeah, after got they, they realized what was really they paid yeah. activists. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. It was like the first I've heard this. Yeah. What was the amount? Do we know? No, I don't think anyone knows. I think Selma? it's confidential. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did, who do they settle with? Do we know who they settle with? I don't know if it's if I'm at liberty to say. So I wouldn't. Okay. I'd, I'd I'd rather just not say because yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if how. What were the injuries? Um, I don't know specifically. I know there was like abrasions to wrists and stuff like that. Uh, just the yeah, they were just. They, but they the, the point 
point I'm trying to get at is they were screaming for help, mm -hmm. saying we're being assaulted. assaulted. Wow. We got that message right next to me are the police. Yeah. And we're saying, do you hear this? Like, they're getting assaulted right now inside. And yeah. the cops said, well, we don't have to go in there. They have their own security team, and we'll let them handle it. <laughs> and, what the? Like, yeah. they're the ones so, doing the assaulting. So point, that point is blank, such real, a real disgusting time. example. Yeah. And these are of corporations co-opting our uh, entire political system. Yeah. Absolutely. That's I mean, disgusting. they just they just made I've no bones about it. Now. Oh yeah, they just like no, like nope. They're 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 in there. They can do what they need to do to get your people off the premises. What if um, someone had been murdered that night? Good question. Would they've said the same thing? Oh, you know, yeah. sorry, we're just going to let Smithfield handle this. It's like, yeah. no, Smithfield does not enforce the laws of this nation. Smithfield is not judge, jury, and executioner of the crimes yeah. and the laws of the United States of America. You are supposed to be the law enforcement officer that protect people from violent crimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is why people lose trust in the police. Oh, of course. You see cops going after some poor guy who's just selling cigarettes on the street. Who cares, you know? Or a guy who's just like sitting in his car and like maybe he stole something, maybe he didn't. And instead of like going after people are being brutally assaulted by a corporate security department controlled by a billionaire in China, they're roughing up some black guy on the street. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's outrageous. That's messed yeah. up. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, right. Like, yeah, I was right there with the officer, you know, pleading for them to go in and they didn't have our people stop getting assaulted. Wow. And they just wow. let the assaults continue. And then, yeah. you know, then later the, the lawsuit, um, you know, mm -hmm. got, got the, I, I would uh, like to know the, more the, about the these settlement agreements. I mean, I, I again, I mean, I, obviously you should respect any sort of confidentiality requirements, but mm -hmm. to me, that's actually a, a Good story. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't like pitched that to the media or said, "Hey, because this is actually consistent with Smithfield's actions mm -hmm. over the last 20 years." Yeah, it was. Pitched. I mean, violence to human beings. You know, in Asia, like all these human beings trafficked to the United mm -hmm. States to work at their farms, and basically told, "Hey, we're going to throw your kids out on the street back in Thailand or China or Vietnam mm -hmm. if you ask for money, if you ask for what you were entitled to under your contract. We're going to throw you out on the street. Violence against their own workers, where workers are just saying, "Hey, you know, like." I would like to have a bathroom break or I'd like to get paid, you know, a little more than minimum wage maybe. Um, and in response to that request, they just violently assault them. I mean, this is a company that has a huge and disgusting history of violence. Mm -hmm. it's scary. Yeah. It's just on brand. Okay. So, so you got, um, activists locking down mm -hmm. activists at the gate, mm -hmm. which is like 15 or 20, you said, yeah, 20-ish. 20 I could be, I could be wrong about that. You it could be four give or take. Yeah. on the gas chamber uh -huh. Two. On the roof, Who climbed on the roof. <laughs> yeah, how did they get up there? You don't know. Did they just climbed up there. <laughs> I think I've seen the image. That's on it. the news. You can watch that on the okay. news. And uh, how they did it? Yeah, I don't think I saw how yeah, they did they it. How did they do it? it? They just they climbed. Climbed it. Looked like Spider Man or something. Wow. Yeah, those are impressive climbers. <laughs> Who I mean, they were? people people have talents and yeah, abilities, and, support and, them. and they they they'll use them for good. You know, okay. and uh, it's a beautiful thing to see when someone's you know just willing to do whatever they can to try to help get this issue talked about in the way that it needs to be. Yeah, that's you know? So yeah. everybody who took part in any part of all this stuff, it was a lot of unconnected things, but anybody who was there doing anything, I, you know, I just thank them. Yeah. It's just really, it just always moves me a bit no, that people incredible. are willing to do this because it comes with consequences and risks and sure. it's never fun and it's always hurts. Yeah. And, um, but people see the importance of it and they do it. So For sure. yeah, I can't, so, but I want to hear about the last team. So there's a group of people also just go in, and try to rescue a pig, is that correct? Well, no, that had already happened, um, you know, a week before or something. Oh, yeah. so these are separate actions. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm messing oh, up the entire chronology. Either. Yeah. So well, a week before, there had been a number of activists, even before the, the turning point action? Well, so the first thing was 
uh, whistleblower footage. Okay. Um, by the way, if you're a worker out there and, and you see stuff on the job and you have video of it, um, dxc.io yeah, slash whistle. You can sure. anonymously okay. upload and ask for help. Okay, so the whistleblower footage comes mm-hmm. out. And then there's, before the turning point action, mm-hmm. there's a group of activists who try to openly rescue a pig. Yeah, yes. Can, can you tell me more about that? What, what exactly happened? This is just... Yeah, I mean, it was just a small set of people. It was, a, I mean, it was a large enough set of people to lift, you know, the animal and, okay. and uh, try to get her out of there. They, her name was Greta for a short period of time, and she's, you know, died at the hands of the slaughterhouse, uh, yeah. you know, within hours, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, they and I don't think I recall exactly. So just tell me, but tell me exactly what mm-hmm. happened. So they just walk in to Smithfield, yeah, and. This is, I think, at nighttime, if I remember the video footage. Yeah. And then they go to, what is it, a slaughter chute or a pen? Um, like a pen area. Uh-huh. Okay, and they see a pig and they say, you know, enough is enough. These animals are being criminally tortured and will be criminally slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Let's try and get one out because, you know, the government isn't doing anything about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I want to say, just, just for the record, is I think when this action happened, George Gascon was not the district attorney yet. George Gascon is somebody I believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is one of the best district attorneys in the nation. He's really taken a strong stand against mass incarceration and has gotten shot on like severely. Like he's he's like Chase Boudin. Yeah. He's 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 paying a real political cost for his principles. So yeah. I don't think he was a DA at the time, or if he was a DA, he would have just been elected because he was elected in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I do think George Gascon is somebody that animal rights activists should try and work with. Yeah. Because he, he yeah. just believes in justice. Yeah, there have been some good conversations uh, ongoing. Not with necessarily him, but... But it's his team. Uh, well, I actually... Yeah, I don't want to um, get the wrong information, but I mean, this is this is Vernon, not Los Angeles. But it's Los Angeles County. Yeah, okay, so he's so the county. So Josh Gascon is the, okay. he's the DA of Los Angeles County. Okay. No, Gascon's team is... I, I know enough about this case because I've been okay. vaguely involved in some of the legal aspects of it to know that it's... It's Gascon's team that was trying to decide to prosecute, which is why it was surprising to me when I first heard that there were prosecutions being filed. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked. Yeah. Because I thought, look, George Gascon's not the sort of guy who pursues these sorts of offensive, especially when someone has a very legitimate defense. I mean, all these activists, California law is pretty clear on this. You know, there are some states where the necessity defense is not as as ironclad, but in California, you know, we have, you know, jury instructions. The the, the state bar has template jury instructions for necessity, and it's very clear that if you need to do something to protect the life of, of another being who's suffering, you, you can do it. Even if it, in, even if it requires you to undertake some small law breaking activity like trespass, it's okay to do that. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So this unfolds, the activists are stopped. Are they arrested then? Yeah, they're all arrested. And they, they go to jail. Um, yeah. I, okay. I'm, I'm not sure if like how they, if they, if they were there long or if any of them were, um, sort of like cited and released or something. I see. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think definitely some were were locked up. Maybe okay. Not, maybe and so not I all. see. And then turning point action is kind of a follow up to this, basically. Yeah. Because everyone says, "Look, this is not okay. We got yeah. the whistleblower footage. You know, you're arresting these actives who are just trying to help this one poor pig out of the mm-hmm. millions upon millions of pigs who are slaughtered at Farmer John every year. And instead of working with them or trying to understand why it is that people are concerned when you've mm-hmm. been ignoring this issue, you're prosecuting them." And so we're going to come harder. And that's kind of what happens at the turning point action. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm understanding the full. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just yeah, confused no. about no, it. It's, it's, it was uh, a long time ago and I wasn't directly involved because I'd stepped down as lead organizer yeah. like a year before. And I, I really did step down. I didn't, I was in any of the chats. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Like mm-hmm. when these, when these videos came out, this is why I'm so confused. When these videos came <laughs> out, I was just like everyone else on Twitter and people still to this day, like. 
the recent, you know, I think there was a protest at the NFL game or something like that, mm-hmm. and a protest in the NBA game. I remember, like, one of my friends reached out to me and said, "Great work with this action." I was like, "What action are you talking about? I have, I have no uh-huh. idea." Were they, the were they actually true. were they complimentary or yes? Okay, I, well, I don't want to say okay. who it was because I don't know if they want to be you know sure, outed sure, sure. on the podcast as supporting mm-hmm. you know direct action in an NBA game because these are controversial actions. But mm-hmm. it was right. the first glue girl action where Alicia Centurio had just like pasted her hand. Mm-hmm. on the court and I was like I have literally no idea what you're talking about <laughs> Yeah, and I had to go to Twitter too to figure it out I was like oh that's cool Alicia just did this you know and it's like oh somebody I know you know yeah. he's all over Twitter Blue girl and chain girl Blue girl and chain so yeah d- d- we should probably give some context do you want to explain what happened to Blue girl just so oh sure well so um, ventilation shutdown is like yeah. the there's I'm not trying to rank ways to kill animals um, yeah, because none, none of it's needed and it's all terrible. Um, but if you had to pick out one particularly terrible way to kill anybody, uh, ventilation shutdown happens to pigs and to chickens and to turkeys. It is efficient um, from the industry standpoint. Um, like one, like you, sometimes they would actually pay people to go and individually break the necks of all the birds. Mm-hmm. Other times they bring in um, like gas chambers. Mm-hmm. There's this hideous foam that suffocates yeah. birds. But the worst of all is is ventilation shutdown. Probably the cheapest of all too, mm-hmm. and the quickest in terms of what they've got to do. But it takes hours and hours. And it's essentially you take a barn with pigs or chickens. You seal off the uh, air points, so mm-hmm. it's just like a box, like a the hot vents. box. The vents, mm-hmm. exactly. That's the term ventilation yes. shutdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing that's open is openings for pipes of uh, hot of steam to come in hot steam and hot air and different different things it's always a little different and then over the course of hours mm-hmm. the animals are essentially baked or roasted alive i mean they just uh, are subjected mm-hmm. to so much extreme heat and poor air quality that they're either suffocating sort of roasting alive going into heat stroke having heart attacks when it's all said and done i think it's got a 10 percent failure rate at least yeah. with pigs um, uh, Matt Johnson and team captured uh, the worker who went in after all the pigs had went through that and the sounds of all that and then they had to go in and every 10th pig shoot them in the head essentially with, uh, mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. bolt gun um, so just a terrible thing and so uh, the avian influenza which has swept the country over the last you know eight months or so uh, was, was taking like place 40 million plus animals have died yeah or more by now maybe there's, mm-hmm. there's been some really big ones and um million, or is it 5.2 million? Sorry if I got it wrong. But of of those birds uh, were on a factory farm in Iowa, right? In yeah. Iowa. But it was owned uh, by the Rembrandt. Minnesota, yeah, Rembrandt Minnesota Farm. Timberwolves yeah. owner. Owned by the owner of the Minnesota Glenn Taylor. Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor. He was Rose a former state senator. A billionaire. Billionaire, the richest mm-hmm. person in, in the state of Minnesota. And uh, yeah, he, one of the ways he makes his money is by exploiting chickens you know, yeah. to no end. And he used this ventilation shutdown. In the past, he had also done this and received bailout money. Um, you know, yeah. Trent was mm-hmm. talking the other day when you debated Trent Luce, and he was saying that the subsidies aren't that many sometimes. Well, it's not just the subsidies, it's the bailouts. Yeah. So when farmers have to, have to quote unquote, kill all these birds because yeah, a few, um, you know, got sick, then, uh, you know, they get bailed out very often. Yeah. Cause those poor billionaires, I mean, they're, they're, oh, yeah. I know. they're struggling. They're struggling. Right got to think of them. Poor Glenn Taylor. You yeah. Know? So yeah. So. I mean, he's probably only got two yachts. What's he going to do? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Come on guys. Yeah, have nah. some That's sympathy for him. Well, I mean, he wants three yachts. I mean, that man deserves three yachts. <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous. I, yeah. I, there's probably a lot of people that agree with you. So. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so uh, long story short, um, that's something that our investigators were able to use yeah, drone footage mm-hmm. and um, just, you know, the, just infiltrate the area and take video of the conditions to show 
how many birds yeah, were left they show, behind? And they, they, they found a bird who was alive. Like, they found yeah, many birds who many were birds alive. alive. Yeah. But I remember one in particular that just looked incredibly dejected. Yeah. And I don't even know whether this footage was shot by someone who was on site or a drone. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just see this, like, completely dejected bird in a pile of, like, feces and well, that dirt pile, and disgusting Okay, so that stuff. bird, I know the photo, that, mm-hmm. that was a pile of all their dead siblings. Yeah, so, so all the other dead birds. Yeah, there were dead birds who were left behind in the factory farm. It's empty, it's so eerie, they're probably no yeah. access to food or water, just sort of loose, roaming around. But most of the birds, after the ventilation shutdown, they go in with bulldozers and shovels and get them into piles and push them out yeah. and put them on conveyor belts into the back of semis and then they go to another location on the farm and just dump them and it's just yeah, a it's big disgusting. mass grave yeah, and well, that's you know, where that one bird was just standing on top of all probably thousands if not tens of thousands of animals buried alive absolutely and a pile of dead bodies yeah yeah because with that 10 percent failure sure. rate and you're talking about 5.2 mm-hmm. million yeah um so uh and for yeah. those of you who don't know chickens, I mean, I, yeah. I've lived with chickens. Actually, the two animals I ever, first livestock animals I ever rescued were chickens from a, a punk show in Chicago. They are such incredible personalities mm. and so, so, so discriminated against by ordinary human beings. Because, you know, most people think like, oh, you know, like your bird brain, you're, you're as dumb as a chicken. I remember even, even a lot of these farmers, they don't really understand how unique and special every individual chicken is. But they really are tremendous creatures. And just, we don't appreciate all the differences. In the same way you don't appreciate someone from another culture who speaks a different language because they just seem different from you. But like, I'll tell one quick story about the two chickens I rescued. Uh, Typically, roosters are known to be kind of aggressive and, you know, like they're the ones who are bullies and and they're supposed to protect the flock. That's kind of, they're a little bigger and they have spurs and, you know, they fight and so on. Um, the first two chickens I rescued were named Philip and Marta, a boy and a girl, both Cornish cross. And Philip defied every stereotype he might have of a rooster. He was the biggest baby <laughs> in the world, like a complete wimp. Mm-hmm. And Marta was the exact opposite. She was like a little hen, smaller than Philip, and they're growing and getting bigger because they lived in my house for a few weeks. And like Cornish crosses grow really fast and they get really big. I mean, they're like pretty chunky animals, like fairly quickly because that's the way they're bred. They're bred to grow massively from tiny like few ounce chicks to six pound chickens in the span of six weeks yeah um but and i had gotten them right at six weeks and they're getting big so in um so philip's significantly bigger than marta because roosters tend to be bigger than the hens and every time i brought berries in marta would like chase philip away (laughs) she was actually (laughs) kind of a jerk and like she'd get to eat all the berries and food and philip would be like in the corner i'm like oh please can i have some and it's just but it just shows you like every one of them is an individual and you don't appreciate how special each of these individuals are. I mean, especially in the context of a factory farm that has like 5 million birds all being euthanized. Glenn Taylor never met any of them. No. And if he did, and if he understood like every one of them is just as special as your dog and has a unique personality, just like your dog. I'd like to think even Glenn Taylor would say, maybe this isn't worth a third yacht. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. It's just, it's wild. Just these people are causing so much harm, so much violence, so so much destruction. It's, yeah, it's just mind-boggling, and they, they have no idea. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't know if they have an idea. Maybe they have some slight idea. Did Glenn Taylor have any respond to any of this stuff? Well, yeah. Glenn Taylor 
Minnesota billionaire Glenn Taylor also owns the biggest newspaper in the market in, mm. in Minnesota too, the Star the Tribune. Star Tribune, I think yeah. it's called. Uh, so they're not going to go. The the investigators That's so messed up. The investigators so got up. the best, fo- amazing footage. Shocking! It's such a terrible instance. Yeah, but the local of, paper doesn't want to cover it. Nobody nobody covered it. There was yeah. a very there was one local paper that covered it, and they actually did a, a decent job of of getting the facts in there. But uh-huh. the national press zero, um, bigger markets around the area zero press whatsoever. And so at this point, Alicia Centurio. Okay, so that's when people do the glue girl thing. Yeah, she's like, well, you know, if if uh, they're not going to bring their cameras to this site, yeah, we're going to bring our findings to their to, to the cameras. To the cameras <laughs> and so yeah. we asked ourselves, like, where where are cameras right now? Yeah. Well, the Minnesota Timberwolves are historically one of the worst franchises in yeah. professional basketball. They suck. I'm sorry. Uh, Glenn Taylor, before Donald Sterling came along, was known as maybe the worst owner yeah. in the league. And um, yeah, just many years of, of failure, but. On the bright side, because, um, you know, I, I root for the fans and, and players, uh, they, they put a good team together in the last couple of years. And, uh, That's they, right. They, they actually were in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they made it. Oh, to actually, the, it was a playoff game. Yeah, right? Well, like, I, the Grizzlies, The right? first game yeah. with Alicia, I, if I'm not mistaken, was a play-in game versus play-in the Clippers. Game. It's still maybe. a playoff oh, game. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like yeah, you win or you, you're out. Uh-huh. You yeah, something. so, um, yeah, knowing that the NBA has got a huge market on, mm-hmm. you know, for – for television, and on top of that, sure. they're the audience is really engaged in Twitter. So, yeah. um, uh, she's like, Hey, if I can get out there, I've got this shirt saying Glenn Taylor roast animals alive, I'll glue my hand to the court <laughs> yeah. with super glue, you know, with Glenn Taylor it. like a few feet away because he's always sitting right yeah, at court side. Yeah, he, he was nearby for all of yeah. this, I've as well as Alex there. Rodriguez, co owner, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. forgot the other co- the new co owner's name too. He's a I forget what fortune he came. And Alex about. Rodriguez is, I think he's in the Hall of Fame, my Major League Baseball player. Who's you know, he should be by by numbers. I don't know if his PEDs kept him out or not. I can't remember. PEDs meaning performance enhanced. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's yeah. right. Maybe he didn't get elected in because, yeah. But he was a tremendous player. I mean, uh, it was awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. yeah he was yeah, a great. So like great player. now he's one of the owners. Uh-huh. Did, did was there any response by any of the ownership of the Timberwolves? To, no, to they, they they kept it quiet the yeah. whole time. They they never they never gave comment when yeah because because <sighs> Alicia's action it blew up. It went yeah, very viral. It went viral. Yeah. Um, yeah, people made fun of her because the glue looked like it was like Elmer's glue, and they're yeah. like, you like why would you try to use Elmer's, Elmer's glue? But it wasn't. And, Super glue. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah, people talked about it a lot. It was interesting to people. Um, like the Google search hits on Glenn Taylor or Glenn Taylor roasting mm-hmm. animals alive, yeah. you know, spiked, spiked through the roof. And, um, yeah, and, and I saw a lot of engagement on Twitter that was pretty supportive. Just people yeah. saying something along the lines. Of, I mean, obviously a lot of people making fun of her oh, too. Tons of, cause just, that, there's always going to be yeah. lots of trolls on Twitter, but a lot of, of people saying things like, honestly, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. You know, and this is an action that I think was borrowed from Extinction Rebellion, right? Extinction Rebellion started doing this first. Well, I mean, historically, we, we certainly didn't invent like gluing the, the gluing things. things. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Extinction Rebellion probably didn't invent it either, but they okay. did help inspire it. I remember yeah, they, they were doing glued their butt like, cheeks to like a, 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 like a yeah, big right political in the, meeting. In the Parliament building, yeah. I think it was. They, I, for the record, I I am a little skeptical of those sorts of actions. I mean, sure. Gluing yourself to the floor of an NBA game because mm. the owner of that particular sporting franchise yeah. is not willing to be accountable or even to acknowledge the fact that he's roasting billions of animals alive mm-hmm. on taxpayer money. Yes. You know, right. that he's going to gonna me, get taxpayer money. That to yeah. me is a very legitimate action. And mm. no one, it, 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 anyone who actually looks in good faith at what's unfolding there would say, okay, I get it. I mm-hmm. understand why. The butt cheek thing, I think you and I disagree on this, Paul. <laughs> like, no. I'm not a big fan of nudity. Uh-huh. I think. I just think it trivializes the issue and it makes people kind of laugh at us. And again, I, you know, I know a lot of the people in the Extinction Rebellion, it's a climate change group that's done mm-hmm. some tremendous things. Mm-hmm. 
the goofiness of some of their actions to me is counterproductive, but I'm, I'm happy. Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry not, if I'm, I'm calling not, them nah, out. Nah. I, I would perfectly, perfectly want to have a conversation with the XR folks in person um, on the board of the climate defense project, which has represented XR folks across the country, I think. So I'm very supportive of their mission, but yeah. that particular action, you know, like the nudity is, is not something I think is so wise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty results based and, yeah. uh, and it sure got a lot of press, but yeah, it's always going to be a fine line and you know, not all press is good press. It's an old, old obvious saying and stuff, yeah. but overall they've certainly, I, I mean, a lot of groups have helped to, to make the climate crisis an issue that people um, in all different areas are acknowledging and stuff. And that's kind yeah. of where we need to get to. Yeah. Can we, yeah. if I'm recalling correctly, just so I can remember this action, <laughs> we do, we should get back to the Smithfield story. This is, <laughs> this is fun though. I think it, there was like some sort of glass chamber that yeah. spectators like can go to, to watch the parliament in the UK, which is like the U S Congress. You know, mm-hmm. it's where the prime minister, Boris Johnson, or oh, who's the new one? there's a brand new prime minister in yeah. the UK. I forget her name. Liz Truss. I mean, it doesn't matter. Former, former, former. So like, it's just a place where everyone can observe what's happened in parliament and where all the parliamentarians can see, you know, the public. Cause we want legislation to unfold on, under public scrutiny. Open, yeah. It should not be hidden in, you know, in cloak and dagger and in back rooms that are filled with smoke. It should be out in the open. And, and so the activists, like, were completely nude. I think, like, completely nude, right? I doubt that, but I don't know. Maybe. I, okay. I, don't I thought they were just completely nude. Like, yeah, I think, you know, full frontal, balls out. Maybe. Everything's hanging. Maybe. Okay. I think yeah. I've seen Maybe images. they had some, you know, Speedos or something. I can't recall exactly, but. I definitely yeah. remember seeing their butt cheeks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is that right? I'm pretty sure. I, I, I seem to remember that, too. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I th- they were just completely nude. Point. And I think, yeah. like, I think I saw images. Honestly, I mean, it might just be I'm a little conservative about these things, and uh-huh. I don't want to see someone's balls. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I just kind of don't. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. I'm so I was taught like, you know, these are things you don't show in public. Um, and you know, maybe I'm just like a little fucked up and conservative, and I need to yeah, get so more you progressive. If you don't want to see balls, you don't have to see balls. It's yeah. okay. you might have so, to see them sometimes. It, well, yeah, I mean, I had to look at my own balls yeah. sometimes. So uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's not that big a deal. But I think they just glued themselves completely naked. Like, and I think it was multiple people. Uh-huh. And so all these parliamentarians are trying to like vote and think about things. And they're like, there's a bunch <laughs> of naked people glued and they couldn't get them off yeah. because they use like this really intense super glue. Mm-hmm. And like, you can imagine when you're, I think, I think it was like their entire body was glued. Right. Um, I don't recall. Maybe it was just their hands. Yeah. But I they were naked. Hands or butts or a combination. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to think it's pretty funny. Yeah. Do you think it's a good action? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure, I don't know. Why not? I mean, don't you think it's going to just suggest to people that this is kind of silly? I mean, to me, it's like you're trying to convey to people, this is a crisis. Mm-hmm. We have to take this seriously and do something now. And I think the response of a lot of people is just going to be to laugh and say like, oh, that's hilarious. And yeah, I don't know. I just think I'm- that deflates our attempt. There's this concept in sociology and social psychology called moral crowding out. And it doesn't apply exactly to this context. But the idea is... When you're trying to convince someone something is a serious moral issue, if you inject other kind of emotions that are not about the seriousness of the mm-hmm. cause into the situation, it actually kind of pushes out the moral urgency of the moment. And uh-huh. one example of this is, um, I think it's Robert Titmus, a very famous sociologist, I think at Cambridge, maybe at Oxford, one of those famous universities. And this, again, it's not exactly the same context, but it's a similar dynamic. He found that when you, um, when you pay people for blood donations, 
it actually leads to less blood donations because you crowd out the moral sentiment. Mm, People don't mm-hmm. think this is a moral issue anymore. Makes sense. They think, oh, this is just about like money. And it's, you know, like let's it's a transaction. And again, I'm not saying this is exactly parallel and I'd be interested to hear research on this. But to me, a similar dynamic occurs when you do stuff that's too frivolous and that a situation that otherwise would be like, holy shit, you know, our planet is burning becomes like, Oh, look at that guy's ass cheeks. You know, it's like, wait a right. minute, let's let's talk about the world burning, not somebody's ass cheeks. And I, I just don't like that. I think that there's a crowding out effect that people are not gonna tie take the issue seriously and say, like, hey, let's sacrifice. Like, who wants to sacrifice for ass cheeks? Not many people. I mean, maybe. All right, well, Paul's I like, mean, I mean, Paul is looking at me kind of no, skeptically. No, no, nothing Paul you may say, be willing to sacrifice for no, ass Nothing you're saying really doesn't, as, at all has some logic to it. Um, yeah. I, think, I, I think. You just in, think in, it's worth it to get the attention. Not necessarily. I think, I think what you're saying is just actually a totally appropriate thing to consider, okay. weigh your options, because it's not every situation is the same. Yeah, that's I, true I think too. that since the butt cheeks, they, their movement did grow. Yeah, that's true too. Um, they, they ended up like animal rebellion um, with them too, like ended up getting their police liaison dressed as broccoli arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and then the broccoli is on like all the morning oh shows God. the next oh, I do remember that. couple days. And I, and I felt like I a little cringe a little of it. That I did too, yeah. but nonetheless, they got a really wide audience. And if, and if like uh, 85% of the audience even yeah. writes off them as comical or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 15% take it to Takes heart. It seriously, that's still better than a pretty good, pretty good yeah, touch point. But yeah, but yeah no, I, Honestly, I think the thing I didn't like about the broccoli is I think the broccoli was not a good communicator. If, I broccoli, <laughs> if the broccoli had been a better communicator, I'm no offense to broccoli out there, you know, you made a good uh, effort, and I, I sh- maybe I shouldn't have been calling you out without having talked to you, but I didn't think it was the best. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I, did you listen I, to those shows? I thought he did. I, I thought he did pretty yeah, good. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, maybe I'm biased, but that, they're, yeah. But uh, anyway, the, uh, how do yeah. we get to the, oh, the super glue, sorry. Yeah, because um, you were talking about super glue. Yeah. I don't even remember how we got the super glue. Well, yeah. Alicia's super glued onto the basketball court, and, yeah. and, and that ends up going very viral and, and glue girls trending. Yeah. And But I don't remember how we got to there from Smithfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, Someone I'm not can sure. Rewind and well, tell us. I, we, we mentioned Send us an email yeah. about how we went on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, it, it is an interesting, it just is an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting conversation about what works. Because, yeah. you know, like, I think not just the three people at this table, I think honestly, most Americans today see us in a crisis moment. I mean, not everyone understands exactly what's causing the crisis. Some people think it's Donald Trump, some people think it's the Republican Party. Some people think it's a climate crisis. I mean, to me, it's all these things wrapped up with a bow in, in one underlying theme, which is that our institutions are failing us. We understand that human civilization is just, right. it's not working at scale to do the things that we think, that, not even that we think, we know are right. Like we know it is right to save the future. Yeah. We know it is right to not roast an animal alive. Like we know it is right for the people to have a voice on our political system. And none of these things are happening. So when so many people see the things we know to be right not coming to fruition in our society, you know, they're going to fall victim to a QAnon conspiracy theory. They are gonna write at the Capitol building and they are gonna commit direct action too. You know, and like I know this is gonna be a comparison a lot of people are not gonna be happy about, but to me, the reason animal rights activists are committing direct action and, and are taking direct action is actually pretty similar to the reasons people on the right are undertaking things like the January 6th riots. It's the same. I'm not saying it's the same ideology. The ideologies in many ways are almost completely opposed. Right. But the underlying cause is in many ways the same, which is our lack of trust in these institutions. Our understanding the biggest corporations and the most powerful governments 
not just in the United States, but in the world, are completely failing. They're completely failing us. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do? You've got to take hand. You know, you've got to take things in your own hands. And mm-hmm. you know, this is the story of the American Republic too. If you don't believe that, you don't believe in America because that's what they did in 1776 too, for better or for worse. Um, okay, so let's go back to Smithfield. Mm. After this action happens, you do the turning point action. I think the charges have mostly been dropped by it. On, I, yeah, right? I don't want to overstate it, but I, I do believe that there have been like formal announcements that charges aren't being filed. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's formal announcements, but that's been the communications between between lawyers. So yeah, I don't think great. people are expecting charges there. I guess that technically they could still. I mean, if, yep. if they don't bring them, they still can if it's uh, depending on statute of limitations and whatever For sure. they're yeah. trying to charge. But yeah, you know, those folks, um, I mean, in the uh, the people that were inside the slaughterhouse, they were removed fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, but then the people that were locked down uh, outside blocking the trucks, uh, it took all night, uh, not all night, but uh, it took hours and hours to get th- them out. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of them. Um, were they the, using bolt cutters? Uh, and how they... I think the police were using um, combination maybe of bolt cutters or some uh, okay. some like you know wheels or something. Huh. Uh, it did take them a long time. They cleared out the entire block. Um, before they started cutting those people out, those people were asking that one pig just be released. There, and there was a, a sanctuary yeah. that was willing to to take them in and be their forever home. And they said, "Hey, if like we'll all just un- unlock right yeah. now. Wow. If um, if the slaughterhouse wow. is willing to give us one pig just wow. to save that one, one life. out of I think two point five million, something yeah. like one point five to two point five million. I don't yeah. remember the exact number from twenty twenty, but it's a lot. Yeah, and um, unsurprisingly, and they, they, they refused. Insane. Like you know, yeah. the, Smithfield doesn't care if the police have to you know use yeah. whatever number wow. overtime hours or whatever, but yeah. um, they wouldn't give a pig out, and so. Yeah, the people it's like um, Reichart, similar like Reichart, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. So it, it was like a long night of uh, you know getting people out of jail and and all that kind of stuff. And so you did take them into jail. Uh, those, yeah, yeah, those people all went to jail, okay. um, and they all got out. The Vernon Police Department had a fairly quick process, okay, um, compared to some other places, maybe. But uh, I it was, was probably LA County Jail, no. Um, no, Vernon, 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 they all went to Vernon okay. and they, yeah, then they got processed there. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty fast. Um, and then, uh, I was the only person at the slaughterhouse then though, when after, as soon as the last people got cut out and then the police removed the barricades, mm-hmm. I went back to the entryways to just, just be there to see out, what was happening. Cause we on. knew so many trucks got diverted and this was the, this was the hard part. If certainly for me. Um, was watching like I felt so impressed by everyone's efforts yeah. and the organization and what people were able to do and this you know billion dollar global company you know shifts its um, schedule around and everything but um, once the activists were moved I, I, I watched um, you know 60 trucks in the wow. course of wow. an hour and 15 minutes probably go into that place all full of pigs these companies are like evil machines yeah I mean they're just they're evil machines that are so huge and massive and mm-hmm. their gears just grind up everything inside them. Yeah, they've no turned flesh and blood yeah. and minds and thoughts and hearts and love into money. But That's this is why do. it's so fucking amazing that they're shutting down. It is amazing to me. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, it's funny because, like, I looked at the video footage from Beaver County and, and the sheriff says, you know, you all are the reason this is all shutting down. And Curtis says, not true. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no. I mean, actually, I think it is at least partially true. And it's not, but it's not mm. just us. Mm-hmm. You know, we brought attention to this issue and we probably brought more attention to the criminal misconduct of Smithfield than anyone else over the last five years, at least with respect to animals. I mean, 
there's other environmental and worker rights issues that other amazing organizations have brought light to. Mm -hmm. Right. But in terms of the animal cruelty and the violations of California law Mm -hmm. and Utah law, we've done more to publicize Smithfield's misconduct than anyone else. And when they shut down, they specifically said the the regulatory climate in California. Um, But I will say, you know, part of what we did in 2017 is, and, and even before then, in exposing all the violations of Prop 2 in California, led to Prop 12 being passed in 2018. And Prop 12 made it a crime not only to confine a pig in a gestation crate, but even to sell pork mm-hmm. from a facility that was confining pigs in gestation crates became a crime in the right. state of California. <clears throat> and because every single one of the mother pigs we saw at Circle 4 Farms mm-hmm. Every one of the mother pigs was confined in a gestation crate. We didn't see a single one, right? Right. I don't think we saw over the course of, you know, multi-long investigation, a single mother pig in, in multiple states, in North Carolina too. We didn't see a single pig inside of a facility that was not confining them in this two foot by seven foot metal box. That means all the pigs they were sending for slaughter to Farmer John and virtually all the pigs from Circle, Farm, Circle 4 Farms in Utah are being shipped. All those 1.2 million pigs are going to California going to California consumers in violation of law, in violation of law. Yeah, right? everybody's coming Every, from Circle 4. Exactly, to this they're place. coming to Cir- right. from Circle 4, mm-hmm. and, and that is a violation of law to sell to any California consumer mother pigs or pigs that were raised in an environment where, where mother pigs were confined in gestation crates. True. Although I don't think, I, I thought the CDFA was the one that was going to enforce Prop 12 and they haven't actually released the regulations well, yet or it got yeah, delayed. They, just, or CDFA, got, they, or they got, got sued. Well, they got sued. Pending lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So the, the National Park Producers Council. So there, there's, there's, there's a couple issues here. One is, um, can a district attorney pursue a violation of uh, Prop 12 mm-hmm. for violation? And, and, and that question may be different from who is responsible for promulgating specific regulations under Prop right. 12. In my argument would be, you don't need the, the CDFA doesn't, it might be asleep at the wheel, but this is a criminal, I'm almost sure, it's a criminal statute. I'm almost sure it's a criminal statute that is typically enforced by district attorneys. And we saw the same problem with Prop 2, right? In Prop 2, because we did an investigation in 2016 of um, actually multiple egg farms in the state of California because Prop 2 and Prop 12 cover three types of animal confinement. One is mother pigs in gestation crates, banned in, 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 in 2008 under Prop 2, and then banned not just in California, but even in outside suppliers that were shipping into California in 2018 under Prop 12. Second was egg-laying hens, you know, uh, under the original version of this ballot initiative, Prop 2, the birds needed enough space to stand up, turn around, and spread their wings. Under Prop 12, they need to be given at least 144 square inches of space, which isn't much. Um, I'm pretty sure it's 144. Is it 216? No, I think it's 144. Almost. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think it's 144. Yeah, I think it's 144. Um, and, and similarly, you know, the eggs cannot be sold in California, even if they're produced somewhere else, if they're not compliant with, with, with Prop 12. And then finally, veal. But veal, honestly, has kind of disappeared. It's not really an issue. I mean... The, the, the only issue, the only thing I'd say about veal is the spirit of the law, 100%, was not just focused on what is technically veal, but any baby cow confined in a crate. That was kind of how it was marketed. That was how it was understood when it was originally passed in 2008. And, that's not and how they're still, it. I mean, Paul and I have seen this. Yeah. Like, we have literally carried out calves from 
dead and dying calves with like maggots growing on them, slowly yeah. wasting away. And like Julianne and Alicia and, and Priya, you know, had a calf who was languishing on the ground after slowly dying in a crate. Mm -hmm. And they were arrested and stopped from saving this baby cow. Yeah. So there are still thousands upon thousands of baby cows trapped in these crates nearly as small as their own bodies. Yeah. But the other thing Prop 12 did in 2018 was um, partly as a result of our investigation, there is widespread recognition that this is a game of hot potato. No one's enforcing the law because we went to every single district attorney in the state of California, every, every county district attorney. We went to every animal control department in the state of California. We went to the state department of food and ag and the state attorney general and reported violations clear indisputable violations of prop two in every single one of them responded we don't enforce this mm -hmm. like literally mm -hmm. every single one like the cdfa said it's a local da's the local da said it's a cdfa so what prop 12 did in theory was two things one is it established a, a regulatory agency the cdfa which is unfortunate it, it really should have been the attorney general i think the early drafts actually made it the attorney general because it, it's a weird thing for a criminal statute to be enforced or for regulations to be promulgated by the ag department, right? What does the mm. ag department know about crime and justice? Right. Like, would you ask the ag department to promulgate laws about theft or about child abuse? Like, they just don't know anything about it. And originally it was the AG, but they redrafted it because I don't even remember why. But, um, but the second thing, it made very clear what the standard was. Like 144 square inches is the standard. 24 square feet is the standard. And the idea was this is much more objective. So. Honestly, even if the CDFA doesn't promulgate any regulations and doesn't say like, what exactly is 24 square feet? 24 right. square feet is 24 square feet. You know, like this is just a mathematical fact. Like count the number of pigs, um, count the amount of space, do the math problem. A third grader could do this. Like literally any, not any, but my guess is the vast majority of third graders in the state of California can do that math. You don't need the CDFA. And so mm -hmm. it, it was supposed mm -hmm. to make it simple enough that a DA could just say, just give me the numbers, you know? And Smithfield Foods, 100% is violating Prop 12. They are not giving the animals even 24 square feet of space. 24 square feet of space, for the record, is not a lot of space. It's like a five foot, five foot square for a 700 pound animal, 600, 700 pound animal. But still, Smithfield Foods, very clearly, and we all saw this, they were all in gestation crates, right. two by seven crates, 14 square feet two, of space. Two clarifications. Well, there were, um, in the gestation barns, which is mostly gestation crates, there are some group pens for mothers who are not, haven't just been impregnated. You know, so they're there, and they're the ones beating each other up. Yeah, it's a guilt. Um, and then the guilt also, and the bores. And the, um, like, Prop 12 didn't go into effect until January. It was supposed to go in January 1, 2022, this year. Yeah. But then the lawsuits got it all hung up. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think I think there's truth to that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the argument that I would make is that while Prop 12 made it more specific, it was still a criminal law in the state of California okay. that pigs needed enough, have enough room to stand up, turn around, um, mm -hmm. and spread their limbs without touching a metal bar or another animal, right? And that certainly was not happening. Right. In, totally. in Smithfield Foods. Okay. Mm. So a DA, so not, that, not, a DA not still 12, could have enforced yeah. the law under mm. Prop 2. two. But could the DA? Or, or was, it, was it still well, subject th that to... That was the problem. That yeah, the so. DAs were all... I mean, a DA has a right to enforce any of the criminal laws in the mm -hmm. state of California. I mean, but Prop 2 is, didn't have criminal that laws, is their, so right? No, Prop 2 was a criminal statute too. It was too, okay. Yeah, so both of them are criminal statutes. Okay. I think... I'm trying to remember... Yeah, yeah no, Prop 2 is definitely a criminal law because... 
there was the reason I know this is because there was one investigation commenced by DA and it was a criminal investigation. Okay. I'm almost hundred percent sure about this. Someone should go back and read prop two because it has been a while. I could be wrong about this, but I'm almost hundred percent sure they're both criminal statutes. The problem was most DAs were saying this is too vague for us. We don't understand what this means. And if a veterinarian or a factory farmer tells us, Oh yeah, they got plenty of space. Yeah, this 600 pigs, they, they don't, I mean, like kind of what Trent was saying at the debate a couple weeks ago in Utah. Oh, they don't even want to leave. They're happy in these crates. And it's like, well, why do you have to close the door then? Like, if you really think these pigs are happy in a two foot by seven foot cage, open up the door, let them walk where they'd like to walk. And they don't have an answer for that because they know, you know, these pigs are going through psychosis. Like, I, you know, I mean, I love Trent. I think he's a smart guy. And I, I think he's in some ways a good person. He's shown us some support. Like at the debate, I mean, Trent... Luce is a pig farmer in Nebraska. He actually seemed pretty sympathetic to shutting down Smithfield. He said a lot of nasty things about Smithfield as a pig farmer himself. Yeah. Granted, a pig farmer that raises like 300 pigs and not yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, 1. 30 million. million or however many mm-hmm. Smithfield's raising. But, but one of the things that Trent said that struck me as just honestly a little absurd, and apologies, Trent, but, but I do think this, is the idea that pigs just like being in crates because they feel safe. I mean, it's just, you know, there's good evidence showing that 92% of them are exhibiting evidence of psychosis, stereotypic behavior, which, I mean, you could call it just mental distress. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's clear psychosis. I mean, there's one thing if you might want to go into an area where you're, you know, private for a period of time. Yeah, like a right. bathroom. Versus um, your spending, life. spending, yeah, yeah. well, like the majority of months out of your life yeah. trapped yeah. in that thing. Uh, there's not a damn pig that looked anything close to happy or, frankly, sane, you yeah. know, in no, Smithfield. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's an evil place. Okay, well, True. I, I want to jump forward unless am, am i missing thing i think we finished the story of like what's happened well there was one other thing that ha- i wasn't sure even how this ended but smithfield did reach out uh to us to do some kind of restorative justice process right did they um do, do you remember wow. what, what happened with that i don't know that that was um i think that was the prosecutor's office i don't mm. know i don't know that that was I, I, yeah smithfield. that that was at smithfield yeah i think request. there was just an idea that maybe like some kind of an arbitrator okay. could help things resolve and and and, you know, I think our team was saying, like, no, that's like, you know, I mean, I'm sure they entertained the idea somehow, but it's going to be a tough, tough uh, starting at either end of the spectrum to yeah, meet in the middle too well. So I think our people yeah. felt like, let's just let the uh, prosecutor's office do what they will. And yeah. they did what they did. Hey, I'm down for restorative justice for Smithfield. We just have to cough up $100 billion and give it back to the human beings and the animals they've been torturing, killing. Honestly, yeah. I don't even know if $100 billion will restore nah. the harm. Maybe you think of the environmental dollars. damage over the years yeah. and um, people like Ellie uh, yeah. uh, who lost her life in North yeah. Carolina. It's yeah. um, really sad. Yeah. So yeah, Ellie, for those you don't know, is a resident of North Carolina who was fighting Smithfield because of all the air and the water pollution from feces and chemicals literally being sprayed from these manure lagoons onto local neighborhoods. You know, schoolyards, neighborhood mm-hmm. playgrounds, people's driveways, you know, to the point that, you know, People like Ellie and, and, and their families and their children and grandchildren sometimes just couldn't go outside. And all of us know this. I mean, were you in North Carolina ever with me? Never mind. No. You've never been to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, but correct. Paul and I, we've been in North Carolina. Together. Mm-hmm. We've seen yeah. it firsthand how bad that is. It's yeah, everywhere. It's terrible. And then like in Utah, as bad as Utah is, and you know, Smithfield, we call it the Death Star for a reason because sure. it's this massive facility of like dozens of barns of lagoons everywhere. The one thing you can say about it is at least they built it a little further away from where most people live. Yeah, residents North complain Carolina. a lot. In they the do city complain even meetings, in Utah. Yeah, they really complain about the stench. But yeah, in Utah in particular, it's it, like it is a they're little bit right there amongst 
you know, the neighborhoods of, you know, yeah. people that had the least in most cases. Yeah. In like North Carolina, in North, North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, in North Carolina. Sorry, you said yeah, in sorry. Utah. Sorry. In North Carolina, it's like literally across the street. Yeah. Is uh, somebody's home. People's houses like, are turning uh, brown. Usually like a poor person. Yeah. You know, um, often people of color, but yeah. not always. There's a no. lot of white people suffering. Yeah. From these always, too. always, it's always relatively poor. poor people. Yeah. It's always poor people who Rich get fucked by these people. building their houses. Yeah. Because who the hell would want to live next to a manure lagoon? Yeah. With like thousands and thousands of gallons of, of, of manures and chemical and antibiotics. And, and then every time it floods, it ends up in all the waterways. And yeah. yeah, and it's being sprayed everywhere. Even when yeah. it's not flooding, it's yeah. being sprayed onto your streets, onto yeah, you're your yards. Yeah, breathing in, you're swimming it's in disgusting. it. disgusting. Yeah, pig farms are just one of the stinkiest places in the world. And mm-hmm. I think I've shared this on the podcast before. You probably remember this, Paul. And John, honestly, you probably remember this too. Is Just when you come out of a pig farm, your camera equipment, and your clothes, and your hair, mm-hmm. like... They stink. Yeah, the like amount you, you of have to wash your hair like multiple times, and the cameras sanitizing. would stink. Yeah. like I would wipe them down with these, you know, these alcohol wipes mm-hmm. to make sure we can clean all the pathogens off, and it would be, it would be clean from a pathogen perspective. But somehow, like in all the nooks and crannies of this camera, there mm-hmm. was still the stench mm-hmm. of the pig farm. Yeah, yeah. I remember like days yeah. afterwards. I was yeah. like, this is I unbelievable. Totally remember that. I think I would always show people this. I'd be like, smell this camera. This is yeah. unbelievable. I just spent the last hour cleaning our cameras with these alcohol wipes that would clean, you know, like they would, you could clean your toilet and your toilet would smell great after you, if you hand wash your toilet with right. alcohol wipes on mm-hmm. every nook and cranny, it would not smell bad. Yeah. It would smell like alcohol or it'd smell like nothing. And these cameras, we'd wipe them down and they still stink. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. The so, waste management of these places is, you know, it's, it's lacking to say the yeah, least. It's, it's it, awful. The pigs themselves are covered in their own shit and piss, yeah, frankly. Which like, they don't want to do. Of course not. Yeah, no. pigs do not poop near their own homes. Yeah. Like, no. unlike what most people think. They're kind of messy animals. I mean, oh, yeah, they love some mud. Yeah, the yeah. mud. But they don't want to roll around in their own poop. No, I mean, nobody, nobody does. does. That's, that is a counter evolutionary behavior. It's mm-hmm. not right. going to allow you to survive. Okay, I want to jump to the legal case because we've been talking, wow, almost <laughs> for two hours just about. <laughs> wow. The legal case. But um, so this has led the. All the activism, whether it's you know Prop 12, um, which actually the point I wanted to make is it's not just us that shut down Smithfield Foods. Mm. It's 65% of the voters in the state of California. Yeah. yeah, It is millions of citizens of the state of California mm. who said, nah, 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 nah. Mm. We're not down for this. We do not want to see animals confined in crates. So, and the workers who said, we're not going to put up with this mistreatment. Absolutely. You know, we're going to organize this whistleblowers. I mean, yeah. honestly, one of the reasons we did this investigation was because of family members or workers who were kind of fed up with the company's lies. Mm-hmm. I first found out that Smithfield Foods was probably lying to the world about gestation crates from family members or workers who said, somebody should check this out. Yeah. You know, because the workers can't do this. They'll be fired. They'll be crushed. Kind of like Lucas Walker at ISF, this, yeah. you know, brave worker who was the one person who anonymously at first, but eventually came on publicly and said, you know what? Our company is lying about what's happened to these animals. You know, they're stocking them at twice the density they should be. I'm seeing all these sick and injured animals. It's a public health threat because they're covered with feces and wounds and infections. And they're crammed in these transport trucks and pens and spaces where I think it's like, I think it was twice as much as they should have been. Is that right? The stocking density at ISF? I think it was. Huh. But anyways, a lot of times it's workers who share these things with yeah. us. And that, that was true of Smithfield. Um, but yeah, we, we knew that they were committing these crimes. Um, where was I going with that? Now I'm completely. Well, you're getting to the legal cases. Oh, now, the legal case. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know what? I, oh, that's right. What I was going to say is, it's 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 a lot of people. It's yeah. the people of California. It's a, it's some of the workers. It's so it's what happened in Utah a few a few weeks ago, and we'll talk about this in just a second. Was 
the sheriff and, and some of his deputies blamed us for shutting down Smithfield. Yeah. And the real blame, first and foremost, is with the company itself. Of course. Because when you're doing bad things and you get shut down because of that, you can't blame anyone else. It's your right. own practices, mm -hmm. right? And, right? And it's the, it's the decision is made by a billionaire in China, ultimately. He's the one who has a controlling interest in the company. Yeah. But secondarily, even if you want to say that the proximate cause, like the immediate catalyst for this, was something that happened in California, it wasn't just us. It was millions of voters in the state of California. It was the whistleblowers who supported us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was the residents in Millard County, Utah, yeah. who tried to pass a ballot initiative banning new construction of factory And almost farms. won. And almost won. Yeah. So there were a lot of people. But um, I don't even, maybe... You've been pretty involved in the, in the civil case against Beaver County, right? Uh, no, not. I mean, I've just read the the pleadings and, and okay. yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm familiar with the basic well, claims. Why don't you just tell, tell, explain based on your recollection of the pleadings? Cause, I mean, I know you're weren't you assisting in some of the declarations being drafted? That's uh, I yeah. well, yeah. Although that was for the criminal case. Oh, for, that was for yeah. The criminal but case. we were we talked. Uh, yeah, I talked with okay. with Curtis and Alex and okay. Allie and yeah. So for, tell for us the story of what happened in Beaver County. Paul kind of hinted at this earlier. What happened in Beaver County on Pioneer Day about a month ago? Sure. So we had a group of activists just go to, uh, you know, just walk around in Beaver County um, and just basically talking to people and handing out leaflets. Uh, it, it was a combination of, of DXE and Utah Animal Rights Coalition. I think you, you are actually put together the leaflet, which was really great. And it talked about the animal cruelty, retaliation against whistleblowers, diseases, uh, every, everything. And the sheriffs showed up, um, apparently in response to, to, you know, what they say were complaints from, from folks, which, and, you know, we, we've have since gotten a declaration, you know, I think one declaration from, from somebody who was at a nearby park that was owned by the Mormon church, um, who complained about us, but the, the cops just essentially showed up. And as you said earlier, Cameron Noel literally told Ali Murakawa, like, you you will be killed and I won't be there to stop them, mm -hmm. and uh, and and a couple of the other cops made similar comments to the folks who were there and essentially just said you guys have to leave right yeah. and like you you can't be here your company is responsible for shutting down Smithfield you are not wanted in this community like mm -hmm. their exact words and mm -hmm. I love our our attorney Cara Porter <laughs> who put in the pleadings like like a line from a bad B, B movie the sheriff's <laughs> literally said you're not wanted you're in not this community. wanted you're not welcome in this community get out yeah. of here get out of town exactly and so the, um and, and then at one point they they were following Curtis around like and and like you were which saying, to the record is unconstitutional you know you have the right. right to interstate travel and to travel in a community and use the public sidewalks because we're all taxpayers you can't tell someone right. you're not allowed to be on a public mm -hmm. street or sidewalk because I don't like who you are or where you're from I mean that's very unconstitutional totally. and you know one thing that I I think is going to come out in the litigation that I'm not sh sure of now is how much of the how much of the interactions happened on uh, on church property and how much happened on the sidewalk because all the video yeah, that we saw sidewalk. was from the sidewalk I mean and mm -hmm. that's where the the cops I think it was Lonnie Laws Cameron Noel and uh, and and Glenn Woolsey, Woolsey mm -hmm. who's Woolsey. apparently you know who's yeah, he's the chief investigator the for the sheriff's office in our case the criminal right. case against Paul and myself exactly. and you originally right yeah exactly yeah. Uh, that's like they they all approached them on the sidewalk and made those those comments about you're not wanted in this in this community. Yeah. So, you know, I will say, having watched the video footage, all the cops were saying totally unconstitutional things. But I, I thought of the cops, the one who seemed like he kind of had good intentions on some level was Glenn Woolsey. 
I don't know if you all had that reaction. Well, he made a. I felt he like a, he genuinely well, thought he was making an appeal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he genuinely thought. Right. I mean, he wasn't doing his duty to protect people because mm-hmm. you know, again, he's he's sworn to protect the Constitution of the United States, not Smithfield Foods, mm-hmm. right? And the Constitution right. requires you to protect people's right to expression. So he should have said, "Yeah, you're going to be killed." People are threatening you. I'm going to stop them. That's not cool. It's, like that's but, what he should have said. But I think his actions belied his intent because huh. he because as Paul Paul was saying, he he also was trailing Curtis and going up that's to true. people yeah, and insane. saying like yeah. these these people are protesting Smithfield. Yeah, that's true. That was if, the part if that he did were seem... actually if he no, thought right. that. This is just about protecting this them. Was, if if, right, if yeah, he thought right. we were in danger from yeah, people being angry that. at us, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be stoking yeah. passerby's anger which yeah. he was doing yeah and th- that is also unconstitutional for the record right yeah. there's there's a great video on youtube by this audit youtube channel called audit the audit it's got like probably at least a million views now oh uh, it's got over uh, it's, yeah 1.5 it's 1.5 actually yeah, so just go check it yeah. out it's a great breakdown of just exactly what happened shows the footage yeah. and shows how almost everything they did was unconstitutional and they gave the cops an f and they gave uh, you know so the animal rights act as an a plus and said like <laughs> they stood for the rights and they did exactly <laughs> what you're supposed to do when a law enforcement yeah. officer because at the end of the day, I mean, the Constitution is higher than any officer. Like yeah. they, this, this yeah. is literally the first in in the ten Bill of Rights that are the ten rights that were passed in the Bill yeah. of Rights when the country was founded. So. Yeah. What, I, what I thought he said that um, that I thought was like a fair feeling to have, hmm. and that I think was his big concern is he felt like the activists were coming in and rubbing salt Pouring in the wounds yeah. of True. a community that just went through a lot. And um, I don't know that he cared that much about the activists, but he just felt like this feels wrong to me because yeah. people are going through it and they really yeah. are. Um, but and Curtis mentioned that's not the intention, and the intention yeah. is just the opposite. It's it's like hey, we want to go and make friends. Yeah. We, Anytime we go to these places where um, they are super hostile in some ways, and some people do threaten to kill people, they're sympathetic people as well. And yeah, we just want to sure. make friends with those people and, and, and try our best. And yeah, and, and maybe that can be hard or traumatic and yeah. intense or whatever, but that's where you got to do your job as yeah. a police officer. I'd go even further yeah. and say it's not just the people who currently dislike Smithfield who we're trying to make friends with. Yeah. We're trying to make friends Everybody. with even the people who are trying to kill us. Yeah. Because ultimately. Sure. at the end of the day, they're mad at the wrong party. Yeah. If they're mad at us, you know, it's not just us. Again, it's yeah. your neighbors in Millard County are sick of the smell blowing mm-hmm. under the kids' playground. It is um, the workers who ex- told us that, hey, we're still using gestation crates and this is kind of messed up. At the end of the day, the real party you should be mad at is the billionaire who's controlling this company. 100%. You know, they're like, and it's, it's so weird that these offices don't understand that, look, you, you yourselves, you as offices, you think Smithfield cares about you if you lose your job? You think this billionaire in China gives a damn about you? Like, he will grind you up in the gears just like he's grinding these pigs up. You are just as disposable to Smithfield and Wan Long as, as these pigs in the factory farm. And, like, you might feel like you're on his side. He doesn't feel the same about you. He does not give a damn about you. No. And it's, yeah. just, it's just, it's hard to have those conversations. But, I mean, certainly it makes it a lot harder when we're not even allowed to speak. You know, yeah, we're being yeah, yeah, well, that's really the travesty. You know, we yeah. got robbed of an opportunity to yeah. to have those conversations, hard as they might be. Yeah, and we're yeah. here for it, and other people are here for it too. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm really sorry that we didn't get to do that. Yeah, and I want to I want to say like I I do think Curtis is correct in saying that's not the intent. Correct. You know, our intent is not to hurt any worker. I want every single person in Beaver County to have a six figure job wonderful working conditions where they don't have to deal with diseases and death and violence and cesspools. Like literally people have died in these manure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. have died from them because the amount of methane emanating from them and other gases just blowing up. 
there have literally been cases of workers walking by and yeah. dying. Pass out. This is not out. a good situation for anybody. I would love for every resident of Beaver County, I would love for us to take some of that billionaire's money and give it to the people of Beaver County. I'm of down. Course. Let's do this right now. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, I mean, we can't, unfortunately, because he's in China. So <laughs> our government, even I was going to say, let's pass a law and like say you, or even just sue him. I mean, I guess we could sue him, but it might our be hard to bring him to court. Our governments could offer a package, a relief package. Yeah, our ba- government we, has a requirement. We bail out yeah. Glenn Taylor. No, absolutely. If we're like, bail why can't we bail out the people of Beaver? Yeah, if we took some of that money we were giving to Glenn Taylor, or, or even to Smithfield. Like Smithfield mm-hmm. got bailed out massively for all the pigs they all do. that were piling up. You know, if we took some of that money they were giving to Wen Long, uh, mm-hmm. a billionaire in China, and said, Look, let's give this all to the people of Beaver County, I'm 100% in. Yeah, 100%. Too. Like every single one of these workers, let's give them reparations for the harm caused to them too. So Curtis is right about that. Where I think Curtis probably misspoke is he also said that's not true when he said you are responsible. Right. You all. And I think it is true that I don't think we're 100% responsible, but I do think our goal is you can use different terminology. I would say transform, not shut down, because mm-hmm. our goals, we don't really want to shut down anything. We just want to transform this business into an mm-hmm. ethical enterprise, which yeah. means producing meat without harming the animals. Yeah. Like, let's turn right. Smithfield. Smithfield's already producing plant-based meat. Mm-hmm. Just make that your entire business. Yeah. Better for the environment. Doesn't require cesspools of feces, manure, and blood, and corpses. Um, safer for the local community, because you don't have diseases spreading through the community, like MRSA, which I think it's six-time higher rate of this very deadly bacteria called methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus that kills, I believe it's 30,000 Americans every single year, and increasingly it's going up and up and up. You know, all these things are better. So it's win-win. Um, so maybe shutdown wasn't the right terminology, but transform for sure. So, okay, anyways, so we filed this lawsuit. There are these death threats against us. And then, hey. Paul, you and I are planning to go to trial on September 9th. Yeah. Uh, what happens then with us? I mean, I know, but tell, tell well, our audience. Well, uh, you know, I think the idea of uh, a motion to change venue had came up before. before. We, we really always felt like it's going to be yeah, gonna nearly be impossible to get a, a like a unbi- unbiased jury, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and maybe somebody on that jury really is sympathetic to our, our work and, and against Smithfield. Like, yeah. those people exist. You know, they, I, I, I would imagine this. that yeah. might come to light before they make it to a jury, but... Uh, yeah, but at this point, I think everybody, the lawyers are like, yeah, this is, we, we've got to do a change of venue now, even if it's strictly for the safety reasons. When you have the police saying to you, the sheriff saying, people want to kill you, we're not going to protect you. Mm-hmm. And right. then they That's know fair. that They're we're responsible coming. responsible for our security. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, we got to, you know, we got to get out of a different county. And so yeah, our um, attorneys were legitimately concerned about their own safety. Yeah, they were scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rightfully so. And, um, and, and, it, and it doesn't mean like it only takes a couple people yeah. to, to be in that kind of mental head state that people, we see people do it every day yeah. almost in America these days. Um, and again, so, Smithfield has a history of assaulting people. Yeah. I and mean, it happened to our activists just a few months, mm-hmm. or I guess it was maybe a couple of years before inside their Farmer John facility. It's happened to the workers at the Tar Heel Pan in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in China, I can tell you when workers complain about things, things can often get a little physical. Sure. So yeah. it's, it's, this is, this, this is a legitimate concern. Oh yeah. It's a legitimate concern that people had. Yeah. Yeah. And then the judge made that bizarre comment about this is like an orphan who, or this is like some, uh, somebody who kills their parents, yeah. like likening the action, the, the actions to you two that like, you're like an, a, a kid who kills their parents and then complains that they're an orphan or something. Yeah, that was which is just strange. bizarre because it was it wasn't about the action. It wasn't about what the activists did. It was about what that what what they did revealed yeah. about 
the what the security for like the police yeah, and and maybe the, the general sentiment was. Yeah. So I mean, it, it wasn't like we didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was strange, you know, because I again, uh, court officers, including judges, attorneys, law enforcement, again have have sworn an oath to defend the Constitution, not a company. Not even a county, you know, the constitution and the principles in the constitution, including the right to free speech are supposed to be higher than even laws or interest of a particular county. Cause we believe, mm -hmm. you know, that free expression is just this inviolable right. You cannot punish people, you know, much less threaten to kill them merely because of the words they're saying on a public sidewalk. And that is what unfolded in that county. That is not in any way comparable to someone murdering their parents. Right. You know, I, I just, and I know, I mean, he wasn't literally, probably, I hope he wasn't literally comparing, <laughs> you know, free expression to murdering your parents. But even just conceptually trying to apply that metaphor to the situation we were in, it just doesn't map. Right. It doesn't map at all. Because what I mean by it doesn't map, it's just it, the metaphor doesn't make any sense applied to our context. Because nothing, first of all, like Paul and I were not you there. Were there. And, and, and I, I literally did not know. I mean, just like with Glue Girl and all these other things, I did not literally know what was going to happen until it happened. Like I... I think I, I, I think I actually got a message from Jeremy and I think Jeremy interesting was also the person who told me at blue girl. He was like, Oh cool. <laughs> this is like this thing you did. And Jeremy, who's the executive director of the, you know, Utah and Mars coalition also like texted me about what was happening to Curtis. And I was like, what's happening with Curtis? I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, Holy crap. Curtis is getting charged for leafling on a public sidewalk. Yeah. But you know, but even if we had been involved, that's our right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, the constitution sure. still matter. does matter and the, and free speech does matter. And, you know, I know free speech is supposedly this right-wing cause, but it's strange. Like, in practice, in my experience, a lot of, you know, quote-unquote right-wing counties are not doing a good job of protecting free speech when it comes to speech by people they don't like, yeah. you know? So anyways, we moved to change venue. Mm -hmm. um, but in combination with this change of venue, there have been another, a number of other motions that seem to suggest, and this is bizarre to me, that the judge's main concern is not threats against animal rights activists, but threats by animal rights activists. Yes. Yeah. Right? Do you want to? I mean, you've been a lot involved sure. deeply in this motion practice and you caused us some problems. I, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I John. I don't actually blame you for <laughs> I'm it. I'm the document you, requester. You're, you're the document requester yep, who caused all me. these problems for us, John. But can you tell well, us a little about some of the motions that have happened since then that I know you've been helping with, you know, because sure. you're a lawyer and on our legal team, John. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I guess one, one of the most controversial ones was this, the, the motion to anonymize the jury. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the, the judge who, who brought this idea up at, at one of the hearings in either August, I think, I guess it was August, right? And before... Yeah giving the parties a chance to brief it and everything. But what, oddly enough, one of the concerns was, um, was what I did. Mm -hmm. uh, the judge kept talking about how when the clerk sent out the juror lists to the parties, within a half an hour, a, a third party accessed the list. And, and this just re really upset the judge and troubled him and concerned him uh, that this posed, that, that this indicated that there was some kind of threat potentially to jurors and then at the next hearing we point and, and in our motion we pointed out actually I think the judge even said this at two hearings but it, it, and in the second one uh, I, our attorneys pointed out that like it was 
me. Someone like it was a member, it was a yeah. member of the legal team. It was not just this random third party. Third party I'm yeah. an attorney in California. Mm-hmm. I'm subject to ethical um, ethical obligations to confidentiality sure. um, by the state bar. Like I can't just go and spread this information around. I would never have done that. I was yeah. accessing this in my capacity as a member of the legal team, just like what we did in North Carolina, where mm-hmm. I was attorney of record. And I'm not attorney of record in in this case, but I was performing a similar role. So. Anyway, that's kind of neither here nor there. But long story short, the judge ended up granting this motion to anonymize the jury. And mm-hmm. as you and I were talking about with um, Marianne uh, on, the, on the podcast a few days ago, yeah. this is like in a kind of an unheard of thing. It's yeah. almost never done. This practice came about in the early 1970s in prosecutions of organized crime. And in those cases, witnesses were actually being threatened. Yeah. Like their lives were in being threatened. In some cases, threat- killed. Yeah. Not just threatened. Right, yeah, yeah. There were exactly. witnesses and jurors who were killed. Oh, sorry, yeah, did I say witness? I meant juror. Yeah, yeah jurors. but both, yeah. It, it's similar. Yeah, both jurors and, and witnesses. So, but outside of that context, this is like, this is unheard of. And yeah. you know, Utah does have one case on, on point, the Ross case, and it, it lists out five different reasons. Mm-hmm. And they, all, they, they deal with, you know, with potential danger to, to jurors. And the, the thing that the judge cited was the, the fifth reason, which mm-hmm. is that press exposure could lead to juror harassment. Or intimidation. Or, or, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Was intimidation or harassment? I think it's intimidation or harassment. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Intimidation or harassment. And there's, it, it's so bizarre because there's, there's no history of this whatsoever with DXE. Yeah. We have no history of violence. Nobody in DXE's history has ever been charged yeah. with with anything sort of violent. Any anything violent at well, all. Well, we I, I have been charged with threatening bodily injury, but it was completely bogus. Okay, this was in Colorado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like when I That's asked true. him a question, you know, like. <laughs> Do you remember this video? I just forgot like, that that was the charge. Yeah, for that. no, I was charged. You with went in and asked a question. Yeah, and I went in and asked Cole Foods a question. I just said, you know, are your turkey farms are your turkeys actually free range or something along those lines? And then they charged me with threatening bodily injury on the basis of that question. The charges were dropped, although they did push a hard bargain and like it got to three days before trial. I think mm-hmm. it was before yeah. they dropped everything. It's pretty yeah. ridiculous. So we yeah, have been exactly. charged, but it's nonsense. There was right. no evidence. And the prosecutor acknowledges when they dropped the charges three days before trial. Yeah, yeah. And but I, I think that's the only violent crime that I can recall any... It's kind of well, ironic that and, that and is I, the one case. It, it might be worth mentioning that there was one activist at the McCoy action who was arrested on suspicion of assault. Yeah. But then there was no... There, like, I mean, I... Like I, I wasn't. I didn't actually see that interaction. The charge was never brought. So, but the charge, yeah. but the DA never brought the charges yeah. there was because no, he there was, was no, assaulted. Right. He, I've seen the video footage, yeah. and he yeah, was yeah. the one. He who was the one who was assaulted. And the, he, in fact, his T-shirt was torn. Right. Like the person who was the victim of assault has torn clothing and right. has like physical evidence showing he was attacked right. and he ends up being a suspect. And which, the fucking Sonoma DA still says yeah, yeah. that we have a history of assault. Yeah, and the sheriff has said the, the same sheriff. thing. Yeah. Or, sorry, not the, I didn't, well, I didn't just, mean to say the, the, yeah, the DA. I mean, the, yeah, the, the Sonoma sheriff, like they said yeah. that multiple times. I think the DA is Those probably... liars, they're fucking still. liars. No, sorry, they I get it. <laughs> I, I don't even know You're if liars lying. accurate. They're certainly saying falsehoods. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it but might they, be one they, of the situations. But they're bullshitters because they don't know, they don't care if it's true or false. It's just, it's a narrative that helps them. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think the same thing is happening in Smithfield because it, yeah. it's just it was it was bizarre to me to sit in these hearings, and I don't I don't mean to say there's any bad faith here because I think it's legitimate on the path of the state and the court that we submit you know incontrovertible evidence that animal rights activists are being intimidated right. and harassed, yeah, and they claim we are intimidating or harassing, or at least we're we're threatening or, or there where there's a real danger that we will intimidate right. and harass others. Right. It's like 
wait a minute, we were the ones who just submitted evidence that people said they were going to kill us. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you're saying that we are the ones intimidating and harassing others? Yeah. Like, to me, it's a classic case of projection. Like, do you all know right. this concept? Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a case where, you know, this you're the violent one. You're, you're, you do something bad, and because you feel uncomfortable about it and say, like, oh, this doesn't make us look good, you project that onto someone else well, as a way to yeah. displace your own responsibility. And I kind of feel like that's what the legal system in Utah is doing to animal right. rights activists. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. And I think a lot of this is also, it, this is a, a function of this narrative that the government, the U.S. government and state governments has been cultivating for decades, framing animal rights activists and environmental activists as dangerous and violent people. Yeah, the terrorists. What's that? It's, terrorists. it's, it's terrorists. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They, they say that Including over and over your again. your own father, John. I know, I know, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, actually, there's, I'm not kidding. It actually is kind of true. There's, right? there's truth to that. I, well, I mean, his case was involved in denying a necessity defense yeah. to, um, to an animal rights activist in Oregon, which you and I have talked about. And prosecuting before. him, too. Uh, I right? don't think his office he wasn't was, part his, of prosecuting the, the, him? the AG's office wasn't really about that because oh, the, the appeal just related to the necessity defense and then it got okay. kicked down to the trial court. Um, so he didn't, he didn't attack them for being terrorists. He just didn't think they Correct. were entitled to necessity defense. Correct. Okay. Correct. Which I think I mean, that, those we, are different positions. It's you different, say, it's different. I think it's a wrong yeah. position. It's he still should the wrong have had position. the necessity defense. And yeah. I think I might, I don't know why my dad's office got involved. Just, yeah, I don't know why well, yeah. he thought it was his responsibility. Well, your dad was an amazing guy, but he made some mistakes. He made mistakes. Occasionally. I mean, uh, he really, he really was. And I don't, well, I really you. do mean that. I mean, I knew your dad well, oh, not well, you. but I mean, I had some intense personal conversations with him, and yeah. I, I, I thought extraordinarily highly of him. Oh, well, thanks, Wayne. I yeah, was kind of dad... shocked that a Republican could have such amazing openness to very progressive views on animals. <laughs> I was just blown away by That's it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Our conversations were, not, were not like that at all. <laughs> I, I was, I was, not, yeah, no, I was I mean, not a very compassionate uh, advocate well, either when it came to my family. Well, it's just tougher to have these conversations with yeah. your own son. Yeah. Well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm glad I'm that you're I'm sure you actually opened the door for me. You know, like the conversations you had. Maybe so. I was just blown away because this is someone who's the president. I think he was, was he the president of the University of Oregon when I talked to him? Maybe he wasn't the president. Not, no, he he retired in by then when I talked to him. But he, he was the former attorney general, Republican attorney general, former Republican True. candidate. So this is a conservative guy in many mm -hmm. ways. I mean, he I mean, was a Republican he, he was in a time where conservatives, yeah, Republicans, so like yeah. a more moderate Republican and not a Republican, like a MAGA Republican. But I was not expecting to see the openness that I heard from him on that yeah. day. And I had a long conversation cool. with him. And he was, he seemed like, I was shocked. He seemed completely supportive of everything we did. Yeah. You know, including like direct action and open rescue. I was like, wow. I mean, <laughs> I thought you were a law and order guy, but. You know, you seem to understand the theory behind this and he why did it's so under, He always understood the theory so behind it. He was, yeah. it was something well, because he, he was an academic. He wasn't yeah. just a lawyer. Right. And he, like was, he was a really well-read, smart guy. Yeah. And he, he, he went to UC Berkeley School of Law mm -hmm. when the free speech was, movement a was happening. Yeah. Right. Um, in, in Berkeley. And I, he yes, was very he sympathetic it. to the activists. The and he speech, knew yeah. why they were doing what they were doing. Yeah. He, he personally felt like he didn't want to do it because he, did, he knew that there were consequences yeah. when you do civil disobedience. And he felt like he could... He was a big. He was a believer in government and thought he would create more change by being on the side of the government. Yeah. So, honestly, if there were more people like your dad in government, I think we would see more change. I agree. Because he was the sort of person who would have a position but still be willing to talk. Yes. He would not be like Sean Reyes and Janice McCandless. I guarantee that he would actually listen. He would look. He would see the video and be like, "Okay, actually, this is fucked up. What is happening to these pigs? I am not touching this company." Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, no, I, I would hope that he it. would not have taken money from Smithfield the way Arias yeah. has. It's hard, it's hard to know what people would do nowadays. Damn, I wish to, your dad were still with us. Oh, thank he'd, you. He'd give us so much good advice and support. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously. Yeah. He would. You never met John's dad, right? No, no. Yeah. 
No, Dave Frommeyer was a legend. Yeah, like, he's seriously a legend in Eugene and beyond. Everybody in Oregon knows his name. And he's, yeah, just a great guy. Yeah. And I was a little intimidated when I first met him. Um, <laughs> but he was just so open and curious and just sympathetic in, in ways he that were really He took on Nike in, in ways, you know, and buttered heads with that. And he did. Yeah. You talk about a large corporation. And, no, he, you know, had, he had principles. Yeah. He yeah. 100% had principles. And I, I could see a lot of, of him and you, John. Oh, well. So, that's no, that's um, kind of you to say. Thank you. Yeah. So it's a bummer. Anyway, but wait, sorry, you should but, actually make that point to Sean Reyes and say, like, you know, my dad, when he was attorney general, <laughs> I, did not act like this. You should try to sit down and like say that. Because I think that's true. Republicans were so different 20 years ago. Yeah. They really were. It yeah. wasn't the oh, same sure. kind of like, I'm just trying to destroy my enemies. It was like, no, let's try and live by principle and, oh, that, and see what the right thing that is. That is absolutely what he used And that, about. that is how your dad acted. He, he wanted to create good legal policy in the state of Oregon. Yeah. And going after... Two principled activists for for rescuing two piglets on yeah, the verge of death is not good legal policy. Yeah, for sure. For for an attorney general. Yeah. Um. Not not at all. Anyway, sorry that was neither here nor there. What were we we were talking? We were just talking. Like, about oh, we were talking about the anonymizing and, yeah, the, jury. the jury. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, oh, oh. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. I guess the point I was trying to make is that the like the government has always cultivated this narrative, and one of the points mm. that Lauren Regan, my attorney in Sonoma, uh, made in the movie If a Tree Falls, is that there have been like 1,200 acts attributable to the uh, the ELF, the Environmental Liberation Front, and the Animal Liberation Front, and there was not a single even injury, injury yeah. and and yeah. that was not by accident. Hmm. And so, and even so, like it's still the government's narrative that these people are the the Terrorist. dangerous, yeah. violent ones. And I think that's in the mind of Judge Wilcox, and mm -hmm. that's in the mind of Reyes and McCannis. Yeah, it was honestly, campaign. it was in my mind at one point. Like yeah. when I first heard about animal rights activists at the when I was doing research at the University of Oregon, like peop, the the lab I was working in was afraid of activists, and it was mm -hmm. like, oh, these are dangerous and scary people. And, and this actually related back to the action at the University of Oregon in in the 1980s that my yeah. dad ended up getting involved in, but. Nobody has actually bothered to actually look at the facts. It just—it seems like yeah. they—it's just—it's really unfortunate that these that the, these stereotypes, which have been very carefully engineered and are still being engineered even by the Biden administration, which still like the the FBI uh, like priorities list still mm. has yeah, like animal, animal rights and environmental extremists yeah. listed as like this huge security threat mm -hmm. yeah so it's not no surprise when even at the highest levels of our government they're listing right. animal rights activists as a priority that you right. have absurd situations like fbi agents chasing piglets across mm -hmm. state yeah lines. i mean and you've got smithfield hiring agents away from the fbi yeah. to be there the revolving to, to door be there. Yeah, yeah, security. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's amazing no it's 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 really an absurd system and i think the the more you dive into it and i think you know i think people like your dad would have made a difference mm -hmm. um and if we had enough of them, I think the mm -hmm. entire system would change. But, but part of the problem is that whether it's due to lack of time, due to the effectiveness of the propaganda, that narrative that animal rights activists are dangerous mm -hmm. has, in some sense, become the dominant narrative Absolutely. within law enforcement, even within Absolutely. our political system. And I just I think back to and even cases like the Shaq case, where my friend yeah. Lauren, you know, dear friend of mine who served five years in prison after having done nothing violent or even, you know, Anything. illegal herself yeah. other than just publishing other people's accounts on a website, you know, yeah. the worst thing she was found to have done was just a chant that and it wasn't even, it was a chant that someone else suggested to her and she regretted doing it right after mm -hmm. she did it. Um, but it was a chant, something like, you know, like burn their house yeah, down or something yeah, like yeah. that, which, and she, again, she regretted it. And like, 
and it was hyperbole. She didn't literally mean that, uh, burn anything down. But someone actually just said, do this. And, you know, she was riled up and she just did it. And maybe she was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And who among us hasn't said about her adversaries? Like the number of people I've heard say, like, someone just beat the shit out of Trump. It's like if every time you said something like that, you were subjected to federal terrorism charges and sent to prison, prison for five years. On the other side, too. You know, how many people have said, like, yeah, you know, someone should just shoot Joe Biden or like something like that, you know? People engage in this sort of hyperbole. And it doesn't make it right. I don't think people should say these sorts of things. I, mm-hmm. you know, some people at this table may disagree with me, but I think that you shouldn't even say these things and you shouldn't think them. Mm-hmm. But even, even if you do say them in a moment of anger, that does not mean you are a federal terrorism defendant or you are, you are a, a federal terrorist, a, a terrorist that should be subjected to federal prosecution and incarcerated for five years, which is yeah. what happened to Lauren. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And this is like it's a woman- justice. She graduated magna cum laude from NYU. Not that it matters like how smart she was, but the point is by all these the normal credentials that the government and you know society normally cares about, they should have seen her as an upstanding citizen who's going on to do good things for the world, right? Mm-hmm. Again, not to say that people don't have those credentials aren't also upstanding citizens who have a lot of positive mm-hmm. things to contribute. That's a problem in our society too. Yeah, but it's, it's like a clue. Can, it's a hint that this, this person, closely. you know, has yeah. done all this volunteer work. Like she was like giving food to the homeless and doing all this charitable work at NYU. She's an incredibly good person. And you basically destroy her life. Mm-hmm. You know, sent her to prison for five years. Almost everyone I know who goes to prison for that long suffers some psychological consequences. I don't want to go into details. It's, it's Lauren's story. But certainly I will say as a general matter, almost all my friends who served prison time have suffered the consequences and sometimes in very grievous ways. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes in very, very grievous ways that are very sad. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want that to happen to anyone, including us, Paul. I don't want but, that to happen to you too. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd prefer it to, but yeah, let's, here let's, we are. Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't happen to us. Even if we are incarcerated, I will say, you know, of, of the people I know, I think you're probably better situated to handle it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy yeah. for you. Of course but not. But yeah. I think, I think you are probably better situated than most people. Maybe everybody know. I mean, I can't think of that many people I think are going to handle it better if that is what happens. Oh, yeah, thanks. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's I mean, you get in there and you never know. It's just things can get really, yeah. really out of control really fast or you never know. But, you know, you just take it one day at a time and make the best of every situation totally. yeah. as best you can. Yeah. I yeah. hope it doesn't happen, but, I mean, it will be a learning experience if too. It does. I mean, it'll, mm-hmm. be a gro- it'll be another growth opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to blog. I mean, this will blog will have already come out when this podcast is released. I'm going to blog about the power of suffering and unearned suffering. I mean, yeah. if you remember back in the day, Maddie used to always, you know, make fun of me for that line I gave. I don't even remember what speech <laughs> it is. And unearned, what is the line? It's like, do you remember what I'm talking about? Matt used to always yeah, say it's like, I forget the line. Unearned suffering has great power. I don't yeah. even remember what it was, but he used to make fun of me because he was like, that was such a cliche. But it's true. Catchy. You know, yeah. But yeah, there's something about unearned suffering when you've done nothing wrong mm-hmm. and you're still wearing, willing to bear the sacrifice and the suffering. In solidarity with beings who also have done nothing wrong, um, like the millions of pigs slaughtered at Smithfield's plant in Southern California, yeah. like the tens of millions of pigs slaughtered by Smithfield nationwide, and probably, I think it's well over 100 million, maybe hundreds of millions slaughtered by WH Group, all to serve the interest of essentially one billionaire as a controlling interest in the entire corporation. And, and really behind him is the Chinese government, you know, because... I mean, mm-hmm. This deal was financed by the Chinese government. The billionaires in China are oligarchs who work hand in hand with the Chinese government, which is one of the most brutal dictatorships in the history of the human civilization and human species to exploit animals and human beings. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones we're fighting against in yep. two weeks. 
Yeah. Wow. Two weeks, right? That's yeah, two weeks. It's kind of crazy. Two weeks and two days. Two days. Two, days. two weeks and two days. Sixteen days. Uh, this podcast will come out not this Tuesday, so next Tuesday. So when this comes out, it'll be less than a week from trial because wow. it'll be the Tuesday before trial, which starts on Monday. So, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say this in the intro and outro, but there's a lot of ways to support. Go to righttorescue.com. Um, but we're going to have some important calls to action. Obviously, you can also just come to trial. Like we want as many people out there in Utah as possible. Because the fact that we're not being allowed, and we talked about this in the last podcast, mm -hmm. we're not being allowed to talk about why we were there. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be allowed to show what was happening to the animals because the prosecution is understandably concerned and terrified that when people see the truth, they'll see that what we did was just the right thing to do. Yeah. And what Smithfield is doing is a crime. <clears throat> we're depending on other people, including everyone listening to this podcast, to tell that story. Yeah. You know, so that means sharing this podcast, going to the Wired Magazine article, just Google Wired Direct Action Everywhere, and a, one of the best stories that's ever been written by a guy named, by the name of Andy Greenberg, who's a renowned journalist, wrote an incredible story about what unfolded at Smithfield Foods in Utah in March 2017. We're kind of depending on you to tell the story because we're not going to be able to tell that story in court. Um, so what are your, what's your vision for the next few years, Paul? Like, let me start. Like, what's your vision <laughs> if you are incarcerated? What do you plan to do? I mean, it's, uh, there's just so many var variables, you know, like every situation where someone's incarcerated, I think is, is unique in some ways, like <clears throat> depending on the amount of support that people have going in, where they're at in general, maybe their health, their age, all these different things. And then where do you actually go? Because different, um, you know, prisons or jails just have different levels of politics or, you know, makeups and, uh, like some are understaffed, most are understaffed. And yeah, so I, I just really do. It's cliche, but I just intend to take, take it day by day. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm like, uh, I, I just want to, you know, be there and, um, you know, be respectful and operate with respect and, um, just, you know, try to do my time. And it's, uh, I, you know, would love to get in there and, and do my time and come back out. And that's the plan. Um, things can go sideways really fast. You never know. You don't have a lot of control. I mean, there's of course things that happen inside jails and, um, you know, as a, as a white person, um, going into a place with, uh, you know, just frankly, you know, gangs, you know, mm -hmm. white supremacist gangs, and there can be pressure to, you know, fall in line. And that's mm -hmm. something to join one of these gangs to, or, deal, to yeah. deal with. And, um, and also there's been a lot of media coverage about white supremacist gangs in Utah prisons recently, right? Yeah. And just like the pressure, you know, this weird racial segregation in prisons. Yeah. It's different everywhere, but yeah. yeah. So you just, you kind of get in and try to do your best. And then you also, you know, you worry a little bit about even just the day to day stuff, like yeah. things, things that you encounter, like I'm 44 also too. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Um, like a minor stroke, uh, a bleeding yeah. ulcer, um, yeah. just any kind of the kind of like medical emergencies that you would normally go to the emergency room and, can't do and get patched up. Like you're, you know, you might you're not, on your own. yeah, you're going to be in, in tough shape. You know, people, wow. people die. Um, the, the, the Utah yeah, County jails do have the highest mortality rate of, yeah. of jail systems in in the country, a well, lot of those are, are, you know, marked as suicide in the first, um, you know, in the first like 24 hours sometimes wow. in the first couple of weeks, um, I'm not going to kill myself. Uh, I'll never do yeah. that. So if anyone ever tells you that, don't, You're believe, on the record. Them. don't believe them. I, Thank I'm, you. I'm in the same boat. So yeah. if anyone says okay. I killed myself, neither top person, that's good. Didn't yeah. happen, my friends. But otherwise I want to go in with respect and I want to yeah. um, meet people and, 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 you know, 
and be be a positive impact on my community yeah. inside if I'm in there. Yeah. And then it's hard to say, you know, what situations we'll be in. But, uh, yeah, I just honestly want to act like I, I would anywhere else and just try to be my best self and, and try to help others. Yeah, you know, so. for sure. That's all true and, and, and honestly a little terrifying. I didn't know that Utah County Jails have the highest mortality rate of uh, any state in the nation. Yeah, as of a couple I will, years ago. I, will, I just Google it, but yeah. Yeah, I, I will say this. From my perspective, and I don't want to impose this on you because mm-hmm. everyone's going to have their own unique personal experience and everyone's entitled to their own emotional and psychological and even political response to what they're going through. Mm-hmm. From, my, from, from my perspective, I hope and maybe even expect that whatever suffering we endure will be redemptive in, in at least two ways. Um, one is just the classic nonviolent direction action social movement way which is just the martyr effect that it'll be redemptive because it'll yeah. inspire other people to it realize yeah. we've got to fight you know like and <laughs> that doesn't even necessarily mean doing exactly what we did it, it might just mean sharing our videos and photos and realizing you know what i i'm, I'm not gonna spend tonight just watching netflix videos i'm gonna go out and do a cube yeah and show people the footage that paul and wayne shot because they're sitting in a prison right now and they're sitting in a prison because they shot photos and videos that Smithfield did not want the world to see. I need to go and show people exactly what Smithfield didn't show. And I think that will be redemptive. And I think you know, people ask us, what do you want us to do to support? Again, there are going to be a lot of things that come out in the next few weeks that you can do, or I should say the next week, because when this podcast comes out, it'll just be a week before trial. There'll be a lot of things you can do, calls to action, phone calls, emails to Costco, which was heavily involved in this. And that's a totally different story, but probably we don't have time to go through. Um, but the most important thing is keep getting the word out. Keep keep yeah. fighting your fight. Keep speaking your truth. Yeah, please. Make sure what you know doesn't just stay between, you know, the sides of your head and your brain, but goes to all these other minds and brains and souls out there so other people can see it. So that's one way it's going to be incredibly redemptive. But the other way it'll be redemptive just on a personal level is, and I've said this before, and I really do believe this is true, and I think it'll be true of both of us because I think both of us are reflective enough and probably strong enough to make this happen not guaranteed because it could just break us, is something Bruce Friedrich told me is that, and this is, this is something that the, the Catholic and Jesuit activists have believed a long time, is that to really understand injustice, you have to experience it yourself. You have to be as close as you mm. possibly can to it. And among the Catholic workers movement, you know, who do like the School of America's protests and are protested on behalf of workers, like really radical activists, like um, some of these activists do civil disobedience against war, like, you know, smashing F-16s with their hands to show their opposition to violence and then serving real prison sentences for this. Wow. But there, there's... That's awesome. Yeah, there's, there's a mentality in that movement that until you've actually served prison time, you will not actually be able to fight the impression that exists in the world because you won't have the personal experience of it. Hmm. Or at least the personal experience in the vivid way that people genuinely in the bottom of society... And, mm-hmm we will still not have the experience of a mother pig in a crate because our jail cells will not be as small as their own bodies. You know, um, the equivalent of a two by two foot by seven foot crate for us as, you know, probably roughly 200 pound animals. Not a coffin. Yeah. So we would get like two by three. That would be our size, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we're probably about a third, the size of a mother pig. So we will not be stuck in a two foot by three foot box for whatever time period we're incarcerated. But still, it'll probably be closer to that experience than we've ever had before. Yeah. You know? And I think there will be some some personal 
growth and, and redemption from this. I think, cause just part of it is like, I wrote this blog about shame and I do feel shame from being a member of the human species, right? I really do. Cause I think we are in a class. I mean, this goes back to Peter Singer's statement that we're tyrants. We are a pirate of a tyrannical class that wherever the other animals of this earth come into contact with our class of beings, human beings, they have three options. They run in terror, they are enslaved by us, or they're exterminated. Yeah. Those are their three options, that's it, right? And understanding, wow, this is who we are, is, is an awful place to be. Um, and one place to form redemption is to put ourselves in the position of the folks who've been victimized. And, 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 and in particular, to put ourselves in that position because we're defending them. Like, I think that is one way for us to basically engage in sort of a species-wide restorative justice process where we give back a little bit of what's been taken from the animals. Hmm. Um, and I think we will come out of it with a better understanding of, of why this cause is so urgent. Yeah. We'll see, though. Well said. Mm -hmm. But I still hope neither of you goes to prison. And I don't think either of you should go to prison because well, I think even, th even with all the evidence excluded, we have a winning... A winning argument. We got a shot. We got a shot. We, have, we absolutely yeah. have a shot. Yeah, I think we got a shot. So I we'll see the, what happens. The Utah AG has to know that. They have to know this is not a done deal at yeah. all. I mean, they, they, they should, in an ideal, I mean, they, you, they don't have a case at all, honestly, on theft and burglary, yeah. period. They don't. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that that's how it's going to turn out in the courtroom. Yeah, especially since our hands are being tied in right. so many different ways in this court yeah. case. So even if we have very strong legal arguments, if we can't present the facts to provide the foundation for those legal arguments, it's going to be very hard. Yeah. We might have to wait for an appeal. Yeah. I'd be really upset if I was a juror. Mm. Um, you know, when, these you, when you're being, yeah. doing it's that duty, you, yeah. well, I mean, it's like, it's people's lives are at stake. People's, yeah, you, you know, know well-being. information. And yeah. if, and if I were to know like, Hey, there's video of this incident, this quote unquote crime, you know, yeah. and, um, and you're telling me I can't see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would be upset. I'd be very upset. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's going to come out. Well, I, th I think the answer is let's just show the world. Mm -hmm. If we can't show the jurors, let's show the world. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I'm counting on everyone listening to this podcast and everybody mm -hmm. on social media and everybody in the world, honestly, who cares about a more compassionate place, which at the end of the day, I really, truly do believe this even includes the people prosecuting us. I think it includes Janice McCannis. I think it includes Sean Reyes. I think it includes Wan Long, you know, the billionaire in China. I think there's no one who can see this footage and say this is okay, which is one of the reasons they have to say it's fabricated. You know, mm -hmm. they, they have to allege it's fabricated because mm -hmm. they know if we actually reckon with the truth of this, we would want change too. And for now, the easier thing for them to do is just, you know, close their eyes, look away and pretend it's not real or allege that we're blame engaging in fraudulent blame and deflect. But in the long term, one of the reasons I'm so confident we will win is because we don't have to engage in that performance and contrivance and deception we just have to tell the truth yeah that's all we have to do we don't have to file these motions and eliminate preventing the state or the industry from presenting evidence we just have to tell the truth that's it yeah, yeah. and that means we're gonna win in the long term so let's go win i'm down Sounds let's good. do it let's <laughs> fucking win yeah well <laughs> all right my friends anything else you want to share you've been gone for almost three hours wow oh my gosh uh, close to the mic john Oh, what else? Any any parting words any of wisdom? Thoughts? I don't know. Any any thoughts from you, Paul? Uh, just, I like to just yeah. give thanks to everybody. Like pe people who are supporting sure. us, people yeah, who are wishing amazing. the best for us, asking what they can do to help. Um, thanks to you know people helping us on our legal team, our actual yeah. lawyers. Um, thank you to the court. Like I, I'm upset 
with you know some you know mm-hmm. rulings so far, and I don't agree with them, and yeah. the whole idea of the prosecution in general. Uh, at the end of the day, these are people still trying to serve this this thing that yeah. Yeah. you know. So I, I have um, you know I have they love, have a role to play. In I have process. love in my heart for everybody involved, and yeah, I want the best for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for yeah. you. Well, that's Good beautiful. For you, Paul. Yeah. Well, and my hats off to to the two of you. You know, we were all being prosecuted once, and Samer, Andrew, and I all all took a plea deal, and you two have bravely forged on. It's really incredible. Yeah. Um, you had more important things to do, like take care of your kid, John. I do have to. Take I guess care you of didn't have kid. the kid then. I didn't have but, the kid then. But, but it was in the works, I think. <laughs> right. I mean, you were already thinking that. Uh, yeah. It was more. It was more my mom. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Very, your mom was afraid, thinking that. So, but well, I, your mom's but, a very beautiful person who deserves oh, to have her dreams you. fulfilled too. Thank you. And and I'm glad you know she's got a grandchild now mm-hmm. to love and care for. And I'm glad sure. your your child has a father who's going to be able to stay with them because for sure. Anna, mm-hmm. I pronounce it correctly this time. Yeah. Not Anna. Anna <laughs> is a beautiful child. Oh, thank and you. And she man. deserves to have her father with her. So I think yeah, I taking the that. plea deal is the right thing for you. And. Maybe. Even though you're not a defendant in this case, you're still testifying, my friend. I am testifying. Fact, we're going to we're we, going to we, Washington. We have County. a legal summons. Yeah, you can't. I know, te- I know. No, I'm just kidding. We yeah. wouldn't force John to testify. But it, it's if protecting me while I'm in the state of Utah. Yeah, no protecting. You cannot be. I can't you know, be arrested. arrested and, I can't be arrested in connection with my testifying. I for think. sure. That's so you're really, free. That's very nice of the state nice of Utah. Of Give me a free pass. Uh, the reality is, you'd be court. fine anyways because your plea bargain is or your your probationary period is now passed. Right. True. Three years. So you're now allowed to criticize Smithfield. I can. So he's not well, going to get in trouble. I can, I can, I can he, harass you can, Smithfield. You can even harass, I can legally harass him. never <laughs> harass Smithfield for the record. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a commitment you made. Can you explain what we're talking about right yeah, now? People yeah, are probably well, confused. What the, the, the other, like, the other What is deal. John talking the, the, about? The, the three of us all initially got a plea deal offer that said, that included that we had to scrub our social media of any mention so of Smithfield. Of Smithfield. And Unconstitutional, that we, but right, go ahead. And that we could not criticize Smithfield. And my... My attorney pushed back and said, yeah. no, that's not constitutional or something. And so they were like, okay, how about you can't harass? harass. So yeah. we were like, okay, whatever. I'm, yeah. I wasn't going to harass Smithfield Anyways. anyway. Yeah. So I don't even really know what that, <laughs> how, how would I harass? I, I don't even know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. But that, that, yeah. So I was joking earlier when I said, now I'm free to harass, harass Smithfield. Because that was never, never actually in the works anyway. John is not but a harasser. I will continue to speak what I think is the truth. Yeah. And that's all we can ask her for so. anyone, including Smithfield. And I just wish they yeah. were more open to the truth and would allow us to present the truth in court. But, right. but we'll get it out anyways. All right. Thanks, my friends. Thanks. And thank you thanks. all for listening. And, and I'll just repeat what Paul said and say, <laughs> thank you all so much. This is going to be the last podcast you hear before we go to trial. So follow the trial. Um, cause it'll mean a lot to both of us. And even if we can't respond to every message and I know I definitely don't, and I'm sorry for that. Um, just know we do read them and we appreciate every word of support. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks Take so care. much. Thanks guys. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening everyone. Um, I love talking to those guys. Aren't they great? I mean, Paul and John are just two of my favorite people in the world to chat with. And, uh, I'm sure you got something out of it. And if you didn't shame on you, cause these guys are great guys and you should be learning something from them. Just kidding. If you didn't learn anything and you just had fun, that's okay too. Uh, but I'd be amiss to say, uh, or to not say, that we're, we're doing a big social media push this week. And if you haven't signed up to The Simple Heart, sign up to The Simple Heart podcast, or podcast blog, because you'll get email alerts about things we're doing together to push back against Smithfield and this industry that is torturing animals for profit. Um, you also get updates about other things you can do, but also go to righttorescue.com. That's righttorescue.com. 
and sign the petition there so you'll get action alerts because there's going to be things happening that you can do no matter where you are, anywhere in the world, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, to make sure the word gets out. Because, you know, as we said in the podcast, as long as people keep speaking their truth, we will win. So our victory in this court case that's going to unfold in less than a week depends not on me or my lawyers, but on you. So please help out if you can. As usual, I want to thank the, the folks involved in this podcast. Shalola Lafakis is editing this thing. Preya Sahani, Dean Wersikowski, Ronnie Rose, um, Julie Waldrop are all very involved. Um, so much gratitude to all of you. And thanks to all of you for listening. Got one more podcast recorded. It'll come out next week. It's with Priya Sahani. And after that, it could be a while before you hear my voice again. So thanks for listening.